everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Min Max Show podcast, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen. Thank you for being here. I'm joined by Leo Vader. Thank you. Leo, last time you were on the show, it was in uh, San Francisco. In a hallway at UDC. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for being here, dude. Uh, we got Sarah Pazorski. Hello. You seem to be shaking your head aggressively already, Sarah. I'm just, I'm just so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about what I think the best games are. Hell yeah. And to do that, we're going to be joined by contributor Jacob Geller. Video games have come a long way since Pac-Man, Ben Hansen. That's a great point. We're going to talk Heck. about all of that in a big way. Uh, on this episode of the podcast, not only... Is the back half of the show some wonderful community questions? I think we broke a record for maybe the most community questions submitted this week. Mind-boggling. Uh, we'll get to them. There's some great ones over there that were submitted over on Patreon. Thank you, everybody. But before that, um, you know, we're all playing a couple things. We'll get to that, I suppose. Um, but it seemed like a good, a good week for kind of a themed episode of the podcast. And Leo, was I talking to you about this in San Francisco, about this idea of the greatest games of all time that nobody talks about? Yeah. Okay, great. I knew I was talking to somebody about it. So here's the thing. We've all been in those debates about what the greatest game of all time is. Uh, I think I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because I sat through so many at Game Informer where we're trying to make a list of the top 300 games of all time, the top 100 RPGs of all time, the top this, the top that. And I think I would just get annoyed about... Obviously, all lists are arbitrary, but it's bizarre that so many outlets, when they make the list of the greatest games of all time, even like top 500, I feel like it's always boiling down to the same handful. And so much of that is just nostalgia, right? It's like, hey, everybody, Super Metroid Link to the Past, objectively the greatest game of all times. Okay, look, 30 years from now, if these lists are still coming out and it's still linked to the past at the top of the list, I will shut up and sit back. But like, clearly it's not. Clearly it's just you're passionate about these games because it's what you played as a kid. And so I think there's so many games out there that could be considered and should be in the debate for, yeah, this is probably the greatest game of all time, if you really think about it. And somehow they just never appear near the top of the list. Do you know what I'm saying, Leo? Yeah, certainly we relate to that. Well, coming up with this list, I've a lot of inside joke answers were popping into my head based on our shared experience of that. What kind of, of these, stuff? These shared trauma, list. I think you mm. mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What uh, What do you mean? And you what? always mention a uh, wizardry. Yeah. I feel like whenever you hear Ben Hansen say wizardry, that's what he's joking about. <laughs> <laughs> and look, cool game for back then, no doubt about it. But if you're talking about the greatest games of all time... It's tough to say, well, Wizardry obviously still deserves a spot on the top of that list. Important, cool, no doubt, but no what, are we, what are we really talking about here? Like, I always, um, I'm in love with uh, Tim Schafer, that should be obvious to everybody, but I'm in love with, um, he's asked all the time about what Double Fine's best game is. And I love his answer where he's like, you know, I've thinking about it a lot. I think it's Connect Party. Like, everybody thinks it's going to be Psychonauts, everybody thinks it's going to be this, it's going to be that, but, like, realistically, the game that has brought the most joy from our studio is Connect Party, because I've seen kids go nuts for that game for uh, a decade now. It's like, I love that, just reframing the debate of, like, oh, yeah, if we're talking about input versus output, yeah, Connect Party is Double Fine's best game, compared to what? So, so by that metric, should we just say right now, Among Us, like, that's, that's the greatest <sighs> game of all time, if it's what causes the most reaction from children? That's interesting. I don't know if that's the right criteria, but here's the thing. It's going to be arbitrary. We're not saying that what's typically heralded as the greatest games of all time aren't great games. Obviously, Link to the Past is great. Obviously, Super Metroid is great. 
obviously all those Super Mario Brothers 3. Who's going to say that's not a great game? Leo, this is the part where you might raise your hand. Um, Honestly, don't like it very much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> devastating. Doesn't have to be me. Yeah, thank God. Um, Sarah, what yeah. do you think of when you think the greatest game of all time? What do you think about like those lists? Do you read those lists every time they pop out and say, I... mm, yes, quite? I always feel like they're always kind of a miss for me. Yeah. Because like growing up, like I played games for girls and those don't end up on the list, right? Because it's like those would never be a, like a game targeting girls, young girls will never be on the list for the greatest game of all time, no matter how much I personally love it. Right. And what are we talking about? What are these girly games? Like my love for like Hamtaro, Ham Ham Heartbreak. Yeah. My love for all of the CD-ROM games I grew up with, the Barbie games I grew up with, like Barbie Genie, Barbie Super Spy, like any of those games, like style savvy, like that's The Sims, like those, The Sims is not going to end up on the list of the greatest games of all time. I, mm, I mean, if it was a hundred, it would. But you know that it wouldn't crack like. I don't know. I can see Sims cracking like top 30. I, I think that is a great contender, though. I think that's one of those games that you could absolutely make the argument that The Sims is the greatest game of all time. And it'd be tough to argue against. It's just no one. No one's going to bat that hard in these big discussions. IGN has The Sims 3 at number 70 of its top 100. Wow. Okay. It should be higher than 70. It should be higher. If I agree. If, okay. What's number 69 on that list? You got it there? <laughs> Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. Okay. Exactly. You're telling me that Splinter Cell Chaos Theory is a better game than The Sims? No. Out of your mind, realistically here. Um, yeah. I feel like there's always just a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, the press and kind of the wider gaming community. You know, the fact that what Counter-Strike Go is one of the most played games of all time, one of the most beloved games of all time, and I feel like it's never anywhere near that conversation. Or even like Siege? Like, Leo, do you think Siege should be up there? I was thinking about that. I don't know. It's weird to make that claim about a game that's still being changed and is better some seasons than it is others. Hmm. It's like, which version of Siege is the best game of all time? Yeah. Well, that's where it all gets murky and falls apart. But anyways, yeah. we've gone through and we've collected three games, probably more than three games that, you know what? They should be in contention. They, they deserve a spot more than the old classics at the top of the list again and again and again. Um, Sarah, I think I'm most curious about yours. You want to you kick it off with a number three or something? By number three? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to know what happened with Gravity Rush 2. <laughs> I want to know what happened because I played that game. Yeah. And I I loved it. And like it seems like nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> That's such an odd choice. Is it? I I mean it's fascinating. I mean, okay, here's what I know about that one. It's all about gravity and you play as cat and you run along buildings or something. I never played any of the Gravity Rush games. Why not? Uh, I didn't have a Vita. It's on PS4. Yeah, but still, what are you going to do to say? Here is, yeah. unfortunately, the thing that I've heard a lot of people say about Gravity Rush 2 is like, boy, it's so fun to, like, control, and then they, like, gave up halfway through because there was just so much, uh, the missions did not, weren't as exciting as the controls were. But I haven't played it, so, you know, maybe I'm missing out. But you think it, it's up there? It should be in the discussion, Sarah? I think... In terms of the top 100 games. Sure. It should be in the discussion. Hell yeah. All right. And because... 
because <laughs> I have never played a game that I think that I had so much fun to just controlling the character. Mm. I will never feel the momentum of like literally falling through space. And they like designed this really big world where like the buildings are all flipped upside down. It's kind of like a, it feels like a dreamscape. Like it feels like something out of a fever dream. This society where you have to like fall through the sky to get places. And there's like very, there's like, there's like no roads. Like you literally just have to fall. And as you progress through the game, you can kind of like fall further. And like the missions felt really varied to me. Like some of them were just like delivery missions, like get to these three points as fast as possible. But then there's like one mission where it's like put out a fire with your gravity powers. Like you literally had to pick up water and like put out a burning society. <laughs> and then there's always and then there's like, you know, the B-side story with whatever's going on with her power. But I just had so much fun with that game. Yeah. And I don't I don't know where like why nobody else picks it up. I don't know like where like people just seem so uncomfortable. Like everyone's reaction when I bring up Gravity Rush is like <laughs> I just like like, I just said something I shouldn't, and I don't no. understand. We've all had bad experience with Gravity in the past, Sarah. We don't really like to talk about it, but it, it's Yeah, Gravity us. Rush was mind-blowing for me. For those who haven't, like, seen it, you basically are flying, but really what you're doing is pointing gravity. So if you're, like, falling sideways and hit the side of a building, the side of the building is your floor now, and you're running along it. And it's really fun and beautiful and amazing music, especially in Gravity Rush, too. I've used a lot of that music in videos. Mm. But I think that is kind of held back by... Not to say it's a bad pick, but a lot of games would be held back by being having a little bit too much like open world filler in them. It ends mm. up around an eight out of ten because it's not like a every part of the package is amazing. And I wonder if more games did a like greatest of all time edition that was like five hours of the best content in the game. Like it would be much more of a contender. I, feel I love like. it. Gravity Rush Two. Yeah, now in contention for the greatest game of all time edition. I like that idea. Every publisher should just re-release all their old stuff. Be like, okay, but just look at this one again, everybody. Just check this out, please. Now everything you hated is gone. It's round yeah, two. It's we the promise. opposite of a director's cut. Yes. It's now just or the it is the, the director's cut that they should make where they just make the movie shorter. Yes. Be like, nah, we decided those scenes were not necessary. Right. <laughs> director's right. better judgment cut. <laughs> I, I think one, I, you know, last time I played it, which was on New Show Plus, one that stood out to me for just like, why isn't this in the discussion for possibly the greatest game of all time? Rocket League. I'm sure it's climbing the charts these days, but even going back to it for New Show Plus, it's like, God, I forgot how fun this game is on a basic level. So fun to control. I mean, it's tough to imagine more depth. There's still people playing it today. It just keeps going more and more. The skill ceiling is so high. Always gives a great reaction. You're screaming every time you're playing it. And it's just a beautiful, streamlined experience now. But I think if we're talking greatest sports game of all time in particular, I think Rocket League definitely deserves to be very high up in those conversations. And I'm yeah, I've, I think I've said that back at Game Informer. I've, I've, and that was on my list here, too, but I'll pick another one because mm. I have backups. But yeah, Rocket League, to me, controls every bit as perfectly as like any of the greatest. Like It's on the level of Tetris as far as just a perfect design that yes. you could play forever yep absolutely yeah, I and mean, it's also it's interesting this was i don't know how many i picked that actually fit this criteria but like the idea of a greatest game of all time being like it only has like four parts but every part works perfectly you know it's like there is there is zero bloat to rocket league 
at least once you're actually playing it and not in the menus or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, you know, there is only one thing you do in the game, but that one thing is so good that like that alone kind of elevates it. Yeah, that kind of funny flag you can attach under your car, though, I think that's got to go. If we're talking bloat, I feel like this one thing is kind of holding it back. But other than that. Right. Uh, all right, Leo, if, uh, if that was on your list, I'm curious what that uh, what that's replaced by. <clears throat> Let's go with Titanfall 2. Great, Not... great choice, Leo. That's, Thank you. That's up there with Gravity Rush 2. Easily, in the, as far as sequels go. Certainly not an underrated game by any means. Everybody loves that game, but I think it could go all the way to greatest of all time discussion. Not just because of its universally beloved campaign, but I think it like got everything right about online multiplayer in a way that still I'm waiting for something to surpass. Here's okay. Tell me how wrong I am in my life. Uh, but I've played through that campaign twice. Absolutely love it. I think it's the greatest shooter campaign that I've ever played. Um, I've never really dabbled in multiplayer. Am I blowing it? Could I still go back and enjoy the multiplayer for Titanfall 2 in a big way? Um, if the servers are working, I was kind of getting back into it and then it got DDoS attacked in this whole really complicated scheme scandal that was going on. I don't know where that landed. Huh. But if it's up and running, you can still have fun with that game today as a new player, for sure. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a that's a great pick. No one would... And, oh, yeah. And I love that it's like part of the benefit of it not flopping over the years, but certainly not doing well enough for them to continue supporting it is it. The multiplayer never got like ruined. It never got over monetized. There's just a few DLC packs you can get and get like concrete things out of. But again, it doesn't have that bloat because it was kind of abandoned early, but there's still plenty of content. Yeah. That's interesting. All right, Jacob Geller. Wow. Okay. My, uh, my number one pick, gosh, or number three, it's so hard. Uh, I'm going to say, XCOM 2. Great. Love it. Love it. Um, <laughs> and Sarah's and this, was, this was me thinking about like influence versus just goodness of game. Where I yeah. feel like XCOM Enemy Unknown, definitely the more like influential one. And and I mean, if you want to pick the original XCOMs is like the most, but it's like XCOM 2 is the one I want to play. And like if I was going hmm. to play one of those games. I think it would be that one, and especially with all the unbelievable amount of content that has been added to that game, like, since it came out, there's just, there's so much stuff in it, but it all works, and it all still kind of, like, balances within itself, uh, and it's just, like, it's it's kind of the best version of that game. Yeah, I love that. The, um... I, I never finished XCOM 2, and I feel bad about it. I think I'm just a, a dumb simpleton. I love Enemy Unknown so much. It's like, I'm trying to wrap my mind around these changes, uh, but I should probably go back to it, because, yeah, you're right, and I'm sure at this point, too, like, what, War of the Chosen, or was that number yeah. one DLC? Was that two no, DLC? No, it's War of the Chosen, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, Sarah, you had a visceral reaction to XCOM. No, 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 I just haven't played a lot of these games that you guys are bringing up. <laughs> You know what? That's fine. I haven't played Gravity Rush 2. This is what it's about. Yeah. It's about yeah, throwing yeah, yeah. all these in the pot, Sarah. You can't go wrong. Um, what, what's your next one, Sarah? So for my next run, one, I thought long and hard about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would like to present Chibi Robo to the jury. Interesting. For deserving to be on the list out of sheer whimsy. Um, <laughs> it is on par with Whimsy of Katamari. It is a wonderful like game where you explore a house as a tiny robot. 
it is exciting. The story is good. The puzzles are good. You have to kind of do jumping puzzles to like navigate this house as a 3D robot. You know, the 3D space. You're like jumping, you're climbing, you're like helping this like dysfunctional family solve their problems. Yeah. Um, there's a girl, the child only ribbits. So like this family is broken. <laughs> this family is in need. The dad's been sleeping on the couch for weeks and weeks and weeks due to finances. Um, I love and then it. You, you uncover like a beautiful story as your little as cute robot, robot helper cleaning up. Robot. It's kind of it's kind of like an ET story ultimately, right? Just like the weird out of left field creature comes into play and brings this yeah. family together. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Like um, I don't know how to describe it, but like that that wackiness that you only find in games that come out of Japan. Right. Where you're like this is just. It's just getting weird. Like, sometimes it's just weird for weird's sake, and you really can't quite understand why. There's, like, a dinosaur that wants to play music or ooh, something. Like, a, you don't understand. Yeah. But it's there, and you're going to love it. I am looking forward to loving this. Uh, and just a reminder, everybody, if we hit our next goal on Patreon, we're doing a full Let's Play of Chibi-Robo with Sarah and Jeff Cork. And just for a little backstory, Jeff Cork has been wanting to play Chibi-Robo all the way through in a stream since... 2013 Leo I think back at Game Informer he started screaming about yeah. it and every single year he was shot down aggressively and this is his shot but we need to hit 2900 supporters on Patreon the good news is we are absolutely within striking distance if a fraction of people watching or listening to this right now just jump in at the $2 tier and unlock all those other benefits we can hit that goal and we can actually play through this thing in the studio uh, which I think will be a very fun time Please. Uh, can I say on my longer list, I yeah. won't include it, but uh, Katamari was on, like, I do think that's another, you know, probably should talk about it. It's maybe the best game of all time. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great choice for sure. Um, here's one, and, and nailing down which one is tough, um, but I'll just say Rock Band, everybody. I think Rock Band should be in the discussion for the greatest games of all time. Like, think about how much that can change the dynamic of a group. You talk about your favorite co-op sessions of all time, and best case scenario, you're laughing and smiling a little bit, but think about just the power of the co-op in Rock Band. Like, okay, bridging generations. I will now hand my mother the microphone. Let's sing and play the Beatles tracks together. Like, there's so many amazing moments in Rock Band for just elevating a group, changing moods, changing personalities. Uh, you can't you can't give enough love to Rock Band, and I feel like in terms of just the greatest games of all time, it, it uh, it's not brought up enough for just the impact there. Instead of just quietly plucking away on a plastic guitar with Guitar Hero, which no doubt is great, just having that group vibe of a good Rock Band night, unbeatable. Are you saying Rock Band one? I'll say Rock Band one. If I, uh, Rock Band three is probably the best, Beatles Rock Band is closest to my heart, even though I'm not the world's number one Beatles fan or anything. I just think that experience is so incredible. Uh, yeah. Eh, you know what, Leo? You maybe double double think it. Maybe Rock Band isn't good. No, I'll, I'll Rock Band 3. I think <laughs> Rock Band 3. I think if I had to pop in one, I think that'd be the one to go to. That's my pick, too. That had the most longevity for obvious reasons. But yeah, the fact you could include all the other songs in it. And the keyboard... I miss the keyboard. Yeah. That was really fun. Because on super expert mode, you're just literally playing the song on piano. <laughs> That's that so sweet. Cool. Wait, did, I don't remember. Did it have... It came with a like a full keyboard peripheral? How I think it didn't it? come with it. I think you had to get it extra, right? Yeah, whatever. The, the Only in the complete edition or whatever. But yeah, it was like an octave and a half keyboard. That's wow. so cool. Uh, you got another one, Leo? 
Um, no one's gonna be surprised by any of my picks if they've ever heard me talk about video games before. Mm. Uh, Hitman, come on. Hey. Hitman three specifically. Hey, I've raise gotten... that voice. Come on, man, raise that voice. You did it. No, I'm stupid. No, you're not stupid, Leo. Come on, man. Uh, Hitman three, I've gotten more into in the past three months than I ever did before. Like it's somehow my number one for this year, even though it was my number two for last year. I just like the more you put into that game, the more you get out of it. It's a really underrated, like immersive sim with all these different parts. And I'm still learning about all the different gadgets I have. Like I'm having a lot of fun doing all the little side challenges to get every little unlockable for the loadout to plan these ridiculous runs and working backwards. Like, oh, I just started this mission and there's a thing right next to it that if I had a wrench, I could just kill this target immediately and do this in 30 seconds. Let's see how I can get an unlockable starting wrench. Oh, I have to do this many contracts, so I'll go do that and earn this wrench to come back and do this mission this way I want to do it. And there's so many like interlocking objectives I'm giving myself like that that just come out of having a game with such interesting systems that are so rewarding. And it's like all of that at such AAA quality graphics and gameplay is like it just feels to me like a game from a different universe where <laughs> games are like so much more interesting <laughs> <laughs> well we're pulling that universe into our universe now Leo. that's the point i think of this podcast episode is to finally combine those and give hitman the recognition it deserves it could be this universe if we all will it into existence uh jacob Geller, you got another one dude okay yeah uh number two i'm going to say bayonetta Mm, the original Bayonetta. The original Bayonetta. And this is one where it's like, maybe you could make the argument that two is more fun to play. But I think like Bayonetta is just it is such a a statement of a game. I feel like I've never played a game like as in love with itself as Bayonetta <laughs> is in a kind mm. of incredible way, like not not the Kojima way, although I also love Kojima being in love with itself. But like like Bayonetta just ends with a music video where like all the characters in the game just dance and like that's those are like Pretty the good. end credits and I I think it is it's like there was a genre that basically only existed as Devil May Cry and then Bayonetta showed up and did virtually everything that Devil May Cry does better and more stylishly and in a way that I feel like now if you are making one of those kinds of games you are comparing it to Bayonetta instead hmm. of Devil May Cry. Um, I just think it's the best. I, I think it's, you know, just just kind of like the the video gamiest hit people with a sword and kick them with your guns you could possibly <laughs> <laughs> find. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Sarah, you got I, probably a thousand more, but do you got another big one? Yeah, yeah, Um. So knowing that The Sims is already on the 100 list, we've like cleared that. Yeah, but it should be much higher. It should be much higher. Yeah, it should be much higher. Yeah. I would like to present Okami Ooh, as a game that excellent. I feel like should be on the list and excellent. near the top. Ooh, near the top. Um, I would, I would, okay, but like maybe the issue, my issue with Okami is that after you defeat Orochimaru, it does kind of go on a little bit too long after that. Well, that's like, that's the first 25% of the game. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, here's the rest of the game. Um, But yeah, just beautiful game, beautiful music wonderful idea with drawing with the brush like a beautiful interpretation of japanese mythology yeah 10 out like 10 out of 10 great game i really wish they would i don't know make more of them please 
Well, you got. Did you play? Like, did you play Okami Den on the DS? No, I played it on. I played the re-release. Oh, okay. I didn't play the DS. I played one of the many, many re-releases. Okay. Uh, yeah, Hunter Sachs wrote in from the community, also championing Okami, saying, like, it's "I'm best, I'm 100 on board with this. It's kind of wild to me that it's not. I mean, it's like it's a game with problems. Like it is like 60 hours long for some reason. Right. But like undeniably one of the most beautiful games ever made, and like. Any any stretch of those, like any 10 hours in that game is great and compelling. It's just like maybe there are too many of them, but like there there aren't like bad parts. Um, it's it's an amazing game. Yeah, uh, mine. This one is on the bubble because I feel like it's been creeping its way up lists ever since it released. And now it, it's getting near the top, but I feel like. Uh, 10 years from now this is probably going to be the top and it's tough to argue with minecraft everybody what are we doing if we're talking about the greatest games of all time are you saying that i feel like isn't that already at the top of the list it's getting up there now so that's what i'm saying there's a bit of an asterisk on this one i just think every time i play that game it is just this overwhelming feeling of like what's every other game even trying this is obviously the greatest game of all time especially like introducing kids to it like watching my nephews get into that i feel like i can't introduce them to any other game now what am I going to do? Be like, hey, you should play the remake of Spyro. It's a really good game. It's like, okay, can I build anything and go anywhere in an infinite world? Well, no, but you get to shoot fire at a butterfly. You know, it's like, there's no, just, you can't even compete with it. And every time it's like, ah, that Doom is a better game than Minecraft. It's like, okay, what are we doing here, everybody? Let's, let's get with the times. Um, just a sense of adventure in that world. Survival mode is definitely the way that I like to go. Uh, but yeah, Minecraft, I feel like. It's climbing up, no doubt about it, but I feel like in short time it should and will be just number one forever. Yeah, I feel like there yeah. are some games that like came out and maybe were a little bit under the radar, but have stood the test of time compared to the other games released yeah. in that year. <laughs> Stardew Valley um, came out in 2016. Yes. Absolute sleeper. Yep. But it remains one of the most popular games today. Yeah, I think like, I think that's another one. Like, you know, talking about greatest games of all time, Stardew Valley should absolutely be in the discussion at this point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Leo, do you got one, dude? Yeah. And I promise um, I'll stop calling you, dude. Okay. Uh, here's one. Try this one on for size. Let me know how you like it. Yeah. Drawful 2. Love it, dude. <laughs> Love it, dude. You kidding me? Yes. Yes, Leo, yeah. you talk about the reactions from that game, the good feelings it creates, and still the game design is a fun, clever idea? Absolutely, Drawful 2. Absolutely. Of all the Jackbox games you could rightfully pick, that one just sticks out to me because it's like really simple core mechanics that are different with everybody you play it with, and it has the custom uh, word list mode, so you and your friends can just throw out a bunch of words and play it forever, for the rest of eternity. Yeah, and you should. Yeah, I was thinking about putting Quiplash on this list, and it's like, as much as I love that, like, the design of Quiplash is almost a little too simple. Quiplash <laughs> but, 3 would be the only possible contender, because of how bad the round 3 of both Right, right. Is. But I think Drawful 2, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great choice. Uh, Jacob Geller, you got another one? Yeah, I do. I feel like they're not as cool picks as these. Uh, Slay the Spire is my, is my pick, uh, yes. which is just kind of, it's like, I just can't think of like a more perfectly designed game than Slay the Spire. Like I kind of can't believe that someone was just able to make a game that's 
that is that kind of complex and infinitely replayable seemingly like forever yeah just just that it's like it never i I don't know it's like someone watching someone invent like mahjong or whatever and just like (laughs) here's a new game that like you can play for a hundred years yeah honestly that was another one that i was thinking about because i've seen all my friends just endlessly play slay the spire i mean i think grant has put like a thousand hours into it it is just mind-boggling it's like yeah how come i never hear this in the discussion for the greatest game of all time like the impact that it has for the people that love it it should absolutely be in the discussion there were there are actually several several roguelikes that i was trying to juggle because a lot of them have that feeling like into the breach is Mm. another one that i think is kind of a perfectly designed game and Mm -hmm. like i've played you know 600 hours of the binding of isaac which like you know is another one but it's like when it comes down to it just on a pure design level slay the spire kind of unbeatable yeah i love it yeah i think i was debating hades like i think that at this point it's another one of those games that's just unimpeachable on almost every front i I thought hades was actually uh almost too widely recognized for this list Mm. you know that that people like it too much yeah yeah um sarah you said you had a million more yeah, I also took one off my list because I was worried it was like too well liked, but yeah. I had Divinity Original Sin 2. That's such a good choice. Yeah, somebody wrote in I from the community about it as well. I love that. I could play that game, and every time you play it, it's different. You can play with other people. It's so good. Wow, I didn't know you were a Divinity person. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like, I love that stuff. Do you play co op? Yes, I think that's the best way to play. Okay. So I've like started several games with several different people. I heard there was something about like the way you scroll the text is kind of frustrating in co-op or something. I've never run into any frustrating thing with like text scrolling. Maybe okay. they fixed it. Yeah. Um, but it's just so much better with other players. It really does feel like like a D&D session. Yeah. Yeah. Tristan Rousset wrote in with that one. I think that's a, that's a great pick. Um, all right. Should we just rapid fire a bunch of these? Here, wait. Can I, can I yeah. rapid fire to Please. my own ones that didn't make them? Me- uh, sure. Okay. One, uh, Eco. I know we all put Shadow of the Colossus kind of at the top, but I think Eco is just as good. Um, uh, two, Inside. Yes. A, a perfectly made game. I yes. Think, I think it actually does get the recognition it deserves generally, but it's like, I could easily argue that for the best game of all time. Absolutely. Uh, and my, my most indie pick is a horror game called Anatomy. Uh, which is a very small game, but is uh, it's well known if you're a fan of me because I've talked about it a bunch. <laughs> um, but it's it's just like it's an indie game. It's made by a woman named Kitty Horror Show. It's the scariest game I've ever played. And I think it is like conceptually perfect and just exists within itself. What's the name of that one again? Anatomy. Anatomy. It's it's like an itchio game. Gotcha. Um, sorry, sir. You got more rapid fire down these suckers? Um, Yeah. I had on here, I don't know, this is when like the list kind of starts to fall apart, but I had like Final <laughs> Fantasy 14 for the sheer turnaround on that I, game. I think I think that should be from in the running. Absolutely. Absolutely. Phoenix rising from the ashes. That's right. Um, obviously, Outer Wilds. I feel like that's a given being on the list. Mm-hmm. I also really like Night in the Woods, but I feel like it's not as impeachable as some of my other games. Mm, as unimpeachable? Yeah, it's unimpeachable. Yeah, sorry. yeah. I, I, I hear you. I, I think Night in the Woods, I think that's a contender. I think, oh, not to get too dark, I feel like the development of that game is now so mired in 
some mm -hmm. really dark stuff that I have a tough mm -hmm. time going back to and then loving it as I did when it first launched. But I, th I think you're right. I think that's totally worthy of being in the discussion. Um, other unimpeachable stuff. Um, look, people are sick of hearing me talk about it. Super Puzzle Fighter 2, I think, is another game that's unimpeachable. My favorite competitive game, I think, at this point. Uh, Leo, please back me up. Peggle. You can argue Peggle. Oh, yeah. Is anyone oh, going to have yeah, a problem with a that? Absolutely one of the greatest games of all time. Simple, yes. Delightful, yes. Uh, Tony Universal Hawk. Universal appeal. That's right. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, debatable which one, two or three. I think you could totally make the case for just being such a tight little system there. Um, is anybody else? Leo, you got something to run down? Um, I would have gone XCOM Enemy Unknown above XCOM 2, personally. I okay. feel like I just keep bouncing off XCOM 2, but I... But maybe I would enemy unknown too. I've gone back to that one less. Yeah. But um, uh, another broken record one: Streets of Rogue. You, if you just play those procedurally generated missions, trying to use your ability and your items as cleverly as you can to avoid conflict as much as possible, it is just impossible not to have a new fun moment you've never had before in that game every time you play it. For how many hundreds of hours I have in it at this point. God, that's amazing, and it's on everything now, right? Yeah, great on Switch. Great. Streets of Rogue is the name of that one. Uh, people from the community jumped in and threw out suggestions. Uh, Catherine Gilbert says Chicory should be in contention. That's an interesting choice. We love it. Victor Pham, Devil May Cry 5. All right. Uh, Pelican Man, Batman Arkham City doesn't get enough love, they're saying. Which... I thought about it. I think it I think it does. I, like If you search top 100 lists, Arkham City is usually on it. Yeah, uh, but okay. it's a freaking great game. But I think it's easily arguable. They're like, oh, that could be the greatest game of all time. Sure. Uh, Jai Bones here says the original Animal Crossing, greatest of all time, doesn't get enough love. I agree. Kelsey Lewin would agree. It's her favorite game of all time. Uh, Tom Blackburn says The Witcher 2 does not get enough love. Everybody jumps on with three, but two. Come on, everybody. Give it up. Uh, Interrata, beautiful Joe. Love it. Jordan Brown is a man after my heart saying, Baton Kaitos, Eternal Wings in the Lost Ocean. Hell yeah. I was thinking about that, but I was like, is that too... Is that too weird? No, That's I don't think I so. Um, didn't 8-4 um, localize Baton Kaitos? I don't know. Sir? That would have been way before my time. <laughs> it was. I think they did, though. Um, that would have been extremely before my time. <laughs> Ray Sweat writes in, uh, Resident Evil Remake. I don't think there's a game I've played through more. It's incredibly oh. tense to first run it through, and the replay value is also great once the stress and fear is gone. That's that's a I love that choice. Yeah, that's totally a good pick. Totally. Jeff Mayer, Rock and Roll Racers, and also Biker Mice from Mars. Sure. <laughs> Hoots oh, writes in with Kid Icarus Uprising. Hell yeah. E.N.T. Clark with Splatoon 2. All right, I got to hear this ENT Clark out. And he says, wait, hear me out. Excellent third-person shooters, solid game mechanics, underrated and underappreciated single-player campaign, continuous support and free updates from Nintendo four years after launch, no microtransactions, fantastic paid DLC campaign, motion controls that are actually good, and a player base that is still active to this very day. I can go on and on, but it all checks out. Splatoon 2, greatest of all time. Hey, I love it. Uh, Bear Commando, Mercenaries, of course, for PlayStation 2. Uh, Kit N with The Swapper. Greatest of all time contender. Love it. Uh, oh, also Tetris Effect. Yes. Hey. Yeah, oh, yeah. Two birds with that one. Uh, D's Butts. Uh, forgive the name, but of course they're choosing Smash Brothers Melee. I love that. Yeah. You can easily argue that. Uh, Malcolm Holiday, Cave Story, Evan won Sonic with Kingdom Hearts 3. 
Uh, Chris Calkins with Jade Empire. Uh, Ethan Poe with Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Trim writes in, uh, arguing for Minesweeper. Love it. <laughs> Jesse Great. L uh, is championing, not championing, but they're arguing for Xenogears should be in the running for the greatest game of all time. Vince L with Return of the Oberdin. Uh, Steven Woodson with Terraria. James Smith with Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Hell yeah. Come on, who's going to argue that? That <laughs> game's so ridiculously good. Sean Robbins with Locks Quest on the DS. Does anybody know Locks Quest? It's a sweet defense brawler, sweet tower defense brawler with a different tower defense minigame in it. Huh. All right. Love it. Christopher Reardon, Dragon Quest Builders 2. Hell yeah. Love it. Christopher Reardon, also with Star Ocean Second Story. Uh, Darwin here. I thought about this one. Subnautica. Subnautica, you could argue, is the greatest game of all time. Uh, Javi writes in with Gladius Gladius for uh, Xbox and PlayStation 2. Solar Lancer says Lufia 2, Rise of the Sinistrals. Hell yeah. Darkfish Days, uh, Crosscode. They're saying could be the greatest game of all time. Yeah, that indie RPG that I feel like not enough people talked about. Uh, James says Einhander. Love it. Ty McWhorter. Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, I feel like that's up there. It's up there on a lot of those lists, but it's also very tough well, to argue. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, wink to the past. It is. Answer right. of just like, isn't Pac-Man Championship Edition probably better in every way than Miss Pac-Man? That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. Jose L. Uh, Planescape Torment. Gabriel Cleveland. Breath of Fire 4. Hendrick Morton says Valkyrie, uh, Valkyria Chronicles. Benjamin here. Oh, man, after my own name and my own heart. Super Hexagon. Belongs at the top of any greatest of all time list, says Benjamin. Hell yeah, it does. Dr. Fup WS uh, says Lumines. Love it. Sean Mills, King's Quest VI, Philly Yeatsteak, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Love it. Absolutely. Jacob Hubbard uh, says, hey, any... Oh, a lot of people talk about Tony Hawk games. I would go with American Wasteland is potentially the greatest of all time, which I know Leo is salivating over just the mention Yeah, you know, that's my personal favorite. But I think, honestly, Project 8 is like the most perfect game in the series. Really? Project 8? Why that one? That game is incredible. It's it's like it does the same thing American Wasteland does where all the levels are connected except without the you know placeholder hallways between them. Yeah. So you literally can combo between every level on the map and it right. becomes this like open world skateboarding game which was kind of ahead of its time for that. I love it. And gorgeous and nail the trick modes fun, you know. Yeah, it is gorgeous. Flipping the board all the weird ways. Well, there you go, everybody. There's a bunch of games that absolutely should be in contention for the greatest game of all time. So next time you see that big list come out from a big site, you say, nay, what about these? And then just copy and paste all the ones that we mentioned on this episode. We used to joke about doing a segment on the podcast where we would just like people would send in the names of games and we'd read them and go, yeah, totally. Just one after the other and never comment on them. And I feel like today we've accomplished that. I've accidentally stumbled into that. Yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to break the illusion for you, Leo, but that's a video game podcast is people just saying the names of games and everyone else goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Hey, speaking of which, Weird West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've talked about it for a couple weeks now. Leo, you've definitely played the most out of this thing, so I'm curious as you've spent more time with Weird West, what you think of it. This is the immersive sim isometric perspective from the uh, co-founders of Arcane, creators of Dishonored, all that stuff. They went on. Some of them went on to to make this funky, weird thing with a lot of player freedom and expression. Um, but yeah, how's it kind of sitting with you after all these weeks, Leo? 
Um, well, I switched from PlayStation to PC. I had complaints about the controls, and Ooh, on yeah. mouse and keyboard, it's completely cured. Like, I have no complaints about that game anymore, pretty much. I'm really falling in love with it. It's, uh, as I get into more of the story, for a while I was kind of hooked into just doing the bounties, which didn't have that much variety yeah. as far as procedural generation, but once you get into the missions and start exploring the sandboxy areas some really interesting stories start playing out. For instance, I remembered from my PlayStation uh, playthrough that this one guy I was going to talk to had some dirt hidden in his mansion that if I found, I could like circumvent the mission a little bit. So I went there ahead of time and prowled around and I pickpocketed this key off of somebody and I was trying to figure out where it goes. And it didn't seem like anywhere useful. And then I got caught and I could either fight my way out or just go to jail. And so I go to jail and I can choose to either pay a fine and get out or serve my sentence and like take a reputation hit, you huh. know? Yeah. And then once I pay my fine, I come out into this town I've never been before in the side of the map I've never been before that I got carted off to. And I explore the town and make my way back. Bunch of emergent moments out of that, you know, encounters along the road. And then I get back to the place and try to figure out what the key is for. And it's for the back door of the whole villa. And the reason that matters is because if they spot you somewhere, like you just talk to a townsperson, they spot you in the town, and then you sneak around and steal something, they're going to be able to make the connection. Like, it was the new guy. It was the guy I've never seen around here before. Right. And you'll get a wanted level off of that. But if you never enter the town at all, sneak around the back and use the back door key... Then I can like hop in the window and get into the building in this new way that I like wouldn't have mattered if I didn't get carted out into jail, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because I couldn't have, it wouldn't have helped just from pickpocketing off that guy. But then I had this fresh start and then I got in and then I ended up not having enough lock picks and going to these nearby areas that had these small things to do that I would do while looking for lock picks until I found enough because you need like five to get in this chest. And it's like, I, I just played for a few hours last night and just countless stories like that were playing out that felt so specific to me, which is obviously something I love. I love a story generator. Like I had a, a partner I really loved and they died and I had to bury them, but my shovel had just broken oh, because no. I uncovered this mound of uh, cash I needed for this other objective in the place. And so I go to this, do this other mission at a mine because I know there's going to be shovels there because they're placed logically. Like I shouldn't just look in random places for shovels. I could go, should go to where shovels would be. Right. And I eventually find one and I come back, but the townspeople have buried my partner. Already. I was going to say, what happened to the body while you left it? I wasn't sure how fast it would be for them to bury it. But yeah, when I got back, the graveyard was full of all the bodies I had killed and of hers. And I just visited her grave and kneeled at it. And <laughs> <laughs> And after she died, like, having to take off the, like, amulet and armor I'd given her, like... Did you just dig her up to get it? I did it before, before I oh, left okay. the body. Okay. Don't worry, okay. he left the naked corpse unburied. Mm -hmm. That's right, that's right. He has that's his That's what dignity. my character would do. <laughs> it's in character, it counts. Um, and I want to say there's yeah. multiple journeys. I was excited to get past the bounty hunter one because I know there's more supernatural stuff. And the reveal of who you are for the second journey is, like... I'm instantly going to be finishing this game. Ooh. I, I kind of want to spoil it. I kind of don't. Do we want to give a spoiler warning? Spoiler warning, everybody. I wanna, it's, is it not I an alien? Please tell me it's not an alien. Okay, but hang on. Spoiler warning, everybody. Please, for the next for the uh, love of God. For the next couple minutes, uh, we'll put a time code below for you. But this is 
not for the end of the game. This is for the character you're playing as for the second character out of like five or six or something. Yes, out of okay. five. And it's like three or four hours in. OK, you're not doing too much side. Stuff. All right, please. You are fighting a bunch of enemies of various supernatural uh, ilk in the first journey. Some of the most horrifying are pigmen. You're getting ambushed by pigmen. There's a whole region of the map with pigmen encampments and stuff. And the second journey starts and you have just been turned into a pig man. <laughs> you find out that every pig man is sentient but can't communicate and is just treated like a monster. Oh my God. And now you're playing as one. Pig man, Jerry. Uh, that's bizarre. So can you communicate then? Can you talk as a pig man? To other pig men. <laughs> okay. But you enter towns and they just warn you that you need to leave. I love that. I love that. This, yeah, this, this, this seems so cool. I, I have a question about this, which is that, Leo, you're very good at, at uh, making your own fun in games. And I feel like I am not very good at that. Like if a game relies on like me doing things in creative ways, I, I don't know. I don't. I choose kind of like the path of least resistance and then it's boring. Do you have to like be creative or is the game kind of like... Is the game creative for you? Interesting. I think it's a little creative for you. For instance, you know, so much of value I get out of games is like, can I tell someone this story that happened to me excitedly? And this game has lots of that, whether you're looking for it or not. For instance, one of the first people you can find and help as a side mission, you give them medicine. On my PlayStation playthrough, I gave him medicine. He gave me his map to his treasure. And then later I was in trouble and he jumped into the fight and it said, you know, this character has come to your aid because you saved them doing this. Like it's got a cool presentation of that. And then this playthrough, I didn't even notice that guy never showed back up again, even though I healed him again. And I ended up going back to that location for another reason. And he was just like three feet from the bed I found him on and gave him medicine on dead on the floor. <laughs> like in this playthrough, the medicine didn't take and he just died anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> and th there's stuff like your parents being in a different place, it, like randomly generated every playthrough. Like there is a lot of just generation where you're going to get unique stuff. But I think like a lot of immersive Sims, you get out of it what you put in. If you care to think like these people have this status effect if I invest in this upgrade, I can capitalize on it and counter it. Like those kinds of satisfying moments are still going to be the highlight of the combat. And they do require some, some care, some creativity. Yeah. I saw the, uh, the writer, uh, Kara Ellison, um, who worked on like vampire, the masquerade two, she worked on dreams and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but she had an interesting Twitter thread about weird West where she was talking about like, yeah, this game's really a testament to, the value of not burning out talent in the industry in a big way. Cause the fact that this is like a largely senior team of former arcane developers, they know how to make this type of game. This game is incredibly complex, but they've made so many immersive sims at this point that like the fact that they could release this game and develop it just within a couple of years for something that has so many permutations and possible storylines is stunning. And I thought that was an interesting take from her. Like, Oh yeah, it's a little bit like that you know, Death Stranding miracle of like, how did they re release that game so quickly? You think that would take forever, but it's like, oh no, they just had a very seasoned veteran team that stuck with Kojima and they knew how to make this type of thing and bam, they could get it out the door. Um, also, this is maybe, Jacob Geller, tell me if this is too much in the weeds, please just uh, raise your hand. But I, thinking about Weird West and just like the evolution of the immersive sim genre and it's really bizarre to think about like, okay, what, the first, one of the first big immersive sims is Ultima Underworld which was a spinoff of Ultima, which was a top-down RPG. And then, like, 
You think about how all this stuff is flowing from the tree, and you think about Ultima Underworld then bleeding into Deus Ex, all these other Thief, you know, the Immersive Sim, Dishonored, all that stuff, and that keeps growing. And then there's an offshoot with Weird West, where now we're making an isometric RPG that's also an Immersive Sim, in some ways, like, getting back almost to that Ultima thread of the original line. You didn't raise your hand. Is that an interesting thought? No, I've been, yeah, because I saw people questioning... Like, is this really an immersive sim kind of with the implicit, like, well, it's not a first person game, you know, like seemingly that like that's what we've decided is like, well, it doesn't look like Prey or Dishonored or whatever. So like maybe it's not an immersive sim. But I think, yeah, the the idea that like the the trappings of this genre aren't reliant on like control method. You know, right. that you can have games that look radically different, but, like, play in the same way because what you're doing isn't based on, like, being able to aim at something the best. Yeah, yeah. Or even, I mean, it goes back to the great debate about if Breath of the Wild is an immersive sim, which we asked uh, Rafael Colantonio in an interview about it, and he said he was completely on board. And then at some point, basically, there's a point in the game where it said no to him as a player, and therefore he cast it off into the darkness and he no longer considered Breath of the Wild an immersive sim. Where it's like, okay, sure. Uh, okay, Leo, also, hey, uh, we got to catch up on all this fun stuff. Uh, also, there's a game that you checked out at GDC that's a VR game, and it's from the creators of Job Simulator, one of the greatest VR games, called Cosmonious High? That's right. Okay. It's, it's similar to Job Simulator in that they're gamifying just dinking around and throwing stuff at other stuff. Love it. A bunch of VR toys, but there's a bit more of a narrative wrapping to it. You're going to this sci-fi high school with these cutesy... Uh, alien characters of all these weirdly well thought out alien races. You know, I kind of expected a more random sense of humor from the job simulator folks, but yeah. it's really like consistent and there's a, a lore to it while still being prevent- presented very comedically. And I did laugh within the first two minutes. You did. And what did that laugh sound like? <laughs> wow. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty genuine. So you're just running around this high school throwing things around. You have abilities. It's interesting uh, seeing, always interesting seeing a VR game where the developer clearly loves VR and took all their favorite VR things. Things like backpack management where you're like placing items in free space. You can put them anywhere, but you're like organizing them in your own little mental way of like, I'm going to put all my little trinkets over in this corner. There's like a, a power. You have a bunch of powers. One of them is drawing in 3D space, you know, like a like an art game where you're or not even an art game, like VR art software. Yeah. Where you've got a 3D brush, except you're doing that to like connect wires throughout the school because you're kind of fixing it up with their various powers. You're using the 3D painting to like make a little piece of art and then you take out your camera, take a picture of it. It prints out a Polaroid. You bring that over to this part of the art studio and it goes up on the wall and you get like a credit for that. It's like doing a bunch of little toy things, sometimes directly instructed and sometimes you're just figuring it out from the environment. Yeah, I love but, it. But yeah, it is it is gamifying dinking around in a more engaging way than how ever does, before. Uh, how, how is locomotion? It's teleport only. Okay. It does seem like a really good first VR game for people. Mm. It's high comfort for that for sure. Yeah. It's cause... on Quest 2 and... Uh, VR. Right on. Cosmonious High. How's your VR escapade going, Sarah? Do you feel like you're cooling off on the whole thing? It's harder than I expected to find games that are worth playing on VR. I just kind of yeah. listen to whatever Leo says, <laughs> um, and I play whatever he suggests, because uh-huh. it's kind of not as 
well curated on the through Steam. Yeah. At least that's what I've noticed is you can go through and you can look through the top games, but if you try to look through like all of the VR games, um, it's a lot of mature games. That's the first thing that struck me. It's really? a lot of porn. It's a lot of porn. Valve. That is the first thing that struck me. I was like, oh, like I should have seen this coming, but the absolute scale of it was i was just like oh my god <laughs> I mean, that's why i use vr you. is the scale it's incredible Absol- yeah this yeah. absolute scale yeah i guess i never even look in that corner of steam but basically the well, same like way that all scrolling like vr games to yeah. try to find something cool it's it's i mean that's like that's games in general on steam i feel like now like when i do the steam secret stash i'm like oh oh Oh. <laughs> just every single one yeah if you filter out no porn games like oh it turns out three games released this month on steam i'll mm-hmm. be damned the rest mm-hmm. of them are just visual novels with big boob anime women okay got it yeah i do want to say by the way vr dungeon porn nightmare is my vr wreck of the week <laughs> oh cool yeah up. all right thanks leah have to check it out it has been i mean it's like i feel like it's been a pretty good year for games so far but like i have not you know i i played and loved resident evil 4 vr and like my quest has just been kind of sitting in its case since then. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there have really been any kind of headline games that have come out recently. Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, hey everybody, did you know that if you like this show, you can help support the show in a very direct way by going to Patreon.com/slash/MinMax with two N's and unlock a beautiful benefit over there. Again. Please help us hit that goal. We're so close to hitting that goal for Chibi Robo. It'll be fun. Um, And you can help support us just like people support us who are the developers or creators of Azul Queen's Garden, the new tabletop game. This is not an expansion for Azul. This is a whole new version of Azul, um, which is one of the greatest tabletop games of all time. And Azul Queen's Garden is a sequel that ups the complexity uh, offers offers more puzzle-like depth is the way that they put it. Um, I played it. It is beautiful. And here's the reason. It's up in the complexity. One of the small reasons is shift from tiles like in Azul. Now it's all hex-based. So you're building out all of this stuff. The reviews are off the charts for Azul Queen's Garden. I think it's like even higher reviewed than baseline Azul. So if you like Azul, but you want some more complexity, you can check out Azul Queen's Garden, everybody. Also, thank you to our friends at IM8Bit. They want you to know about Eastward, which is a new limited edition board game that they have partnered to create. It is a co-op game for two to four players. And this is where it gets odd, but funky, is there's also the vinyl soundtrack for Eastward, which in and of itself is a tabletop game. And you can combine it with the board game for Eastward, and then that acts as an expansion for that board game. So really, they've designed two tabletop games for Eastward. You can check it out along with everything else in IM8Bit's wonderful online store. So please go there, and if you use the promo code National Soft Pretzel Month, all one word, National Soft Pretzel Month, you get 10% off everything under $100 in IM8Bit's wonderful online store. And you should help support IM8Bit because they support us in a huge way. Not only through having us plug all these things on the podcast every week, but also because they ship out prizes to the MinMax community. Whoever has the best questions submitted over on Patreon each and every week, they ship out a prize. And this week, they're shipping out a physical version of Manifold Garden on the Nintendo Switch. Just out of the kindness of their hearts. They just ship you a game, a physical game on Switch. It's wonderful. So please help support them. Uh, So everybody here needs to really look alive 
And remember who was the best question of the week because they're going to win Manifold, Manifold Garden on the Switch. And then next week, uh, we're giving out a copy of uh, Battletoads, the vinyl soundtrack to Battletoads. So if you want to jump in and win that, you can submit a great question over on Patreon. Um, hey, before we get to that, uh, Leo, for probably a month now, you've been mm-hmm. saying, hey, I have a better quest goal. I'd like to jump in here with a better Hello. quest goal, everybody. And I just have been very rude and have ignored you the whole time. Uh, better quest, please, by the way, we encourage you to write in with your own goal about some sort of means of self-improvement and hold yourself accountable and you can give yourself a month to just try something new. We like when people write in with that stuff. But Leo, you, you want to set a new goal for yourself here? Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have been denying me this because you're afraid I'll get too good. I'll get too powerful if yeah. I improve in too many ways. Yeah, you'll become and like Jafar at the end of Aladdin. I just worry about you at the end of this Better Quest journey, man. Yes, and I want to say that's completely valid okay. and will will happen because uh, this Better Quest goal uh, is long overdue for me. As, uh, as an on-screen personality, full-time for years, I've uh, often been called upon to... Uh, do impressions and uh, uh, okay and you know i try to be game for it but it's one of the things i'm worst at on the planet earth uh-huh. and uh, my lovely girlfriend will vouch for that certainly whenever i launch into a classic bit uh-huh. with, any, with any tasteful accent but my goal is to get actually good at three impressions <laughs> in a month what? do you have the three picked out or just like no but they okay. will be unconventional. They won't be long, broken impressions mm. like, you know, your Christopher Walkins or what have you. They'll be unconventional ones and they'll be accurate. And they're specific. Yeah, specific people. So you're not going to be like, this is my Canadian accent. Hey, this is my Nova Scotian accent. We're talking. Maybe I'm going I'll to- do one accent and two impressions or maybe I'll just do three impressions. Huh. What, can you give us a taste of like an impression that you do well? Now there that he, is he's the, he doesn't he just say he doesn't do them well and that's well, why he's working on well I know them. I just want I want to have a baseline for when we hear how much he's oh, you improved. want like a before and after yeah yeah it doesn't have to be the same person but just like you know Jacob who's a good who's an easy impression that people do all the time uh uh Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah love it <laughs> all right uh <clears throat> get 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 to the chopper <laughs> wow. All right. So everybody, when you're wondering <laughs> how much he's going to improve, that's the baseline. And at the end of a month, he's going to come in and do a sick impersonation. Maybe maybe even he'll impersonate Sarah and then do the entire podcast as Sarah. And you won't even know it. That's how good he's going to be by the end of this freaking month. That would be nice right. to just like bring somebody else to play the part of me for once. Like, here, you do it. Yeah. Are you sick of playing the part of you, by the way, Sarah? I've been meaning to ask you. You just go in, say that you like Chibi Robo, Gravity Rush, and Animal Crossing, and then you can just leave. You've yep. done it. Yep. You've checked Post. the boxes. You get it. You know, they have those in Mission Impossible, in addition to the masks, they have the little like throat tape that yes. they put on throat themselves tape. that then just like changes their voice into that person's voice. Always wanted one of those. Wow. Yeah. What if we find out that I used that to complete this goal? That's a big scandal. <laughs> nope. That would be null and void. Yeah, that would really just drive a wedge through the what if we found out that you've been using that this whole time and what we think of as the leo vader voice is actually one that you chose intentionally (laughs) and my real voice is my Arnold schwarzenegger voice (laughs) (laughs) uh alan long submits a question over on patreon saying hey what's the best video game you've ever received as a gift or christmas or birthday present um and it still brings you joy to think about to this day 
Mine has to be when I received Metal Gear Solid 2 and my brother and I passed the controller back and forth for hours trying to get a perfect score on the tanker section. I love that, just replaying that section over and over again. Uh, yeah, best best game as a gift, which I'm sad for everybody. Uh, I got, I can't remember, I think it was probably for, for Hanukkah, um, but I received Super Mario Galaxy uh, as a gift, mm. and the specific thing that makes this like stand out in my brain was like for some reason i couldn't stay up late that night but my dad was like well you can wake up as early as you want tomorrow to play this and i just like couldn't sleep and so i like you know went and started playing it at like 4 a.m and then like you know two hours later he got up and he was like oh okay and i was you know had had stars in my eyes of playing the best mario game uh but it was like it was special and he was like well you know i did say he could get up as early as he wanted so like it's fine that he started playing super mario galaxy at 4 a.m i love that i love that idea of late night by yourself as a kid inches from the tv playing super mario galaxy for the first time Oof, mm-hmm. that's that's up there for greatest moments of your life jacob Geller. No, it hasn't been better since. That's, <laughs> that was the top. Smart. Anybody else got one that, that pops out for him? I did get Rock Band for Christmas. Oh, Ooh. that's But how so many, good. like, did you get the guitars and the drums? It was the guitar and the drums. Ooh. And, of course, it always came with the mic, right? Yeah. And it was nice because the guitar, the Rock Band 1 guitar, was kind of weird. It had the more, like, strummable yep. interaction Mushy, that yeah. we weren't fully on board for. But we had the guitar here controllers already and those worked with it and so being able to just use those what a perfect christmas morning that was did you play with the family yeah me and my sister just jumping around on every instrument did your parents play i don't think so but isn't your dad Aww. like in a band and stuff no they like music oh what was it <laughs> well yeah i always connected because like didn't matt helgeson know your dad i thought that was from like a music band thing or something from the indie scene, from the Minneapolis music scene, yeah. But okay. my dad was just a supporter. <laughs> I just really the like the scene. And a supporter of us on Patreon. He's very helpful. Thank you, mm-hmm. Mr. Vader. That's up. Uh, Mike Lynch writes in and says, Hey, y'all, what game has the best interior decoration? You can judge it by whether the design choices make the world feel lived in or you just love the look. Mike says that his choice is Edith Finch. Solid. Yeah. Oh, oh, he meant the best. I thought it was like decorating game and i was like the sims like you can't even oh. argue any like it's the best what, what are you like but you what? have to say your house in the sims right. specifically as the best interior <laughs> yeah, i mean if you're very good at interior decoration then it could be the sims right yeah i guess i guess that works then but yeah does anybody else have a location that jumps out or a game for the overall decoration what came to mind for me immediately was ghostwire tokyo playing that recently mm. like mm-hmm. So many of the side missions taking you into these little apartments or bigger houses and doing your little exorcisms there. Like, yeah, I love the detail in those small spaces. A lot of it repeats, but it still is really interesting to just explore that kind of uh, environment that beautifully. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I really like Deathloop as a recent one of just like all the all, they're like they're like four different kind of nightclubs in Deathloop and they all feel like completely different and have like really different styles and whatever like that one that that disables your powers when you go in I just remember being like so cool and stylish yeah I think I was thinking of Prey even like I love the environment design of Prey um Manic Pixel writes in what is the most niche Disney character slash property you want to see in our beloved Kingdom Hearts 4 get as weird as you want with it 
By the way, we talk about Kingdom Hearts 4 on Party Chat, our Patreon-exclusive podcast, if you want to hear Sarah and Jan and I unpacking that trailer with the community. Yeah, most niche Disney character and property you'd like to see. I um, looked up uh, everything Disney owns, and it's a pretty big infographic, so I'll be studying this for a minute here. Okay, cool. Yeah, take your time. I I have always uh, felt the the loss in my heart of what could have been Epic Mickey, like yes! the you yes. know the kind of like original pitch for Epic Mickey versus what the game actually was. But I think it's it's Oswald yep. who's like the weird mouse that's not Mickey Mouse. It's that a lucky rabbit, like please, a, but yeah. a villain, right? Uh, but it's like yeah, I want to see the like weird old Disney characters that are kind of like like feel spurned by the corporation because they never got the same spotlight. Yes. Basically just hand Nomura and the Kingdom Hearts team all of the concept art from Epic Mickey and be like, yeah, but just make this into a, a cool mm-hmm. world, please. Just uh, somebody take another stab at that, please. Um, yeah, I was thinking old Disney stuff. Um, I'm a bit of an animation nerd, but like going back and just having an entire world that's all about the silly symphonies, like mixing and matching all of those weird shorts from Disney, some of their earliest stuff, like Skeleton Dance. If you've never seen Skeleton Dance, the old silly symphony, it's freaking sweet. Just a bunch of black and white skeletons doing bizarre dances or the old mill, just like super deep, weird animation cuts from early in the day. Or my other favorite Disney property, now that they own 20th Century Fox, uh, Gone Girl. If there could be a Gone Girl world in Kingdom Hearts 4, I feel like that would go some places. I'd be interested to see. Very cool. Thanks. Um, they own ABC, so I'm going to say Hurley from Lost. <laughs> like inside his body, like Magic School Bus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, cool. That makes more sense. I love it. What about this? Ooh, just ultimate animation geekdom. What if it's just the world is the old Disney animation studio from like, let's say, early 40s? And then you're just traveling around and like meeting all the old animators and stuff and watching them work as they're creating all these classic characters and worlds. There's something there. That's good. They also own the History Channel, so they could go anywhere in human history, do Assassin's Creed style. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Disney owns the Crusades now. So just go back and take care of that. Kingdom Hearts 4 just should be a journey through Disney's like IP ownership. You know, just like, oh, we're in the ESPN world. Yeah, it just it, the equivalent of everybody's favorite film, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Just like showing the breadth of like, look how we own everything. Disney needs some place to really focus that message home. And I feel like Kingdom Hearts 4 is perfect. FX on Hulu World. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ricky Winterborn writes in and asks, Hey, would Jacob Geller and Leo Vader ever collaborate on a video essay? Is that weird? Whose channel would post it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm miming a lot of stinky stuff. Leo has been pretending he smelled something bad for the past 30 seconds. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Jacob did one line in my last video. Yeah, I mean, that I think... for you, Jackals. <laughs> <laughs> it's like frequently video essay people will get other people to just like read lines because that's kind of fun. But like, it is that hard thing of like a video for either of us is like a month's work you know and so it's like do you charge would would you charge both patreon accounts for it like the idea of like what a collaboration would actually mean i think is kind of hard to work out yeah uh, because like our the way we get money is so unorthodox um so i don't know it's tough 
Plus, I don't think you two would work well together. There'd really be a lot of screaming and throwing vases at the wall over Zoom. Yeah. We're two auteurs. <laughs> you know how that goes. Sarah, if you I feel tra- like realistically, I someday will like think of a character that I want to have for a few minutes and be like, oh, Jacob would be good for that. And then I'd reach out to you. Yeah, that seems beautiful. Yeah. Um, by the way, Leo, did you watch Zathura yet or the trailer for Zathura? Uh, no, but I trust you completely. I feel like I have seen the trailer for that as a kid. <laughs> okay. You should be. I I've literally wrote that down, though. It'd be funny to have that as a joke at some point. <laughs> yeah, the reference is like my my character being pissed off at Zathura. <laughs> because it's just a house Wait, what is, it's, what is uh, If you go back and watch the trailer for Zathura, uh, if you don't remember, it's the sci-fi theme Jumanji. Oh, no, and, I remember the movie. Okay, well, we all, it's an unforgettable <laughs> journey. But yeah, just uh, so much of that trailer, and I guess the overall movie is just like a house floating through space. And I watched the trailer because uh, I have a sad, shallow life not too long ago, and I was like, oh, this is just Leo's entire premise for his channel. <laughs> it's accidental Zathura fanfic, but it's great. Yeah, my channel is kind of like a YouTube Jumanji. <laughs> Sarah, have you ever been tempted by the video essay f- format? I don't know. Yeah. No. It's a lot of work. It is. It's a, yeah, no. Do you like writing? I'll just like word vomiting on my Twitch channel. Yeah, honestly. There's nuggets of wisdom in there, but you just got to dig deep. Right. Make a clip of it. There's your freaking like essay. It's unfortunately my train of thought. Nothing edited out. <laughs> uh, let's see. Tactical Dreamer writes in uh, and says, what's a song that still pops up in your head from your youth and you wish it would stop? Also, the unnoticed greatest game of all time is Celeste or Amori. Tactical Dreamer says, yeah. Ooh, Amori. I keep forgetting about that. Um, and by the way, just to help feel this, Ryan McGinnis replied to that comment on Patreon. And he said, if you two's beautiful day would stop running through my head every time it's a nice day outside, I would be eternally grateful. <laughs> That's a rough one. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I think I still like that song. Every time I hear it, I do get uncomfortably excited. Is the only way I can describe it. There's nothing, no shade against the song. I just can visualize that life. That person is waiting and that's <laughs> It's a nightmare. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, songs from your youth that won't go away. For me, it's a lot of Christian hymns that I haven't heard since I was a kid, but still remember quite clearly. What's your favorite hymn? Uh, Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with with numb power and love. Our God is an awesome God. That one pops into my head so often. And, you know, it's just it's a good beat. You can stop clap to it. I think that really works because I didn't even go to church as a kid and still mm-hmm. that song is baked into my skull just from cultural osmosis or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, by the way, I think we should start calling them hers instead of hymns. Am I right, everybody? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are some phrases that I find myself just unable to say without, like, if they are similar to a lyric from a song, then, like, that's... this this. Doesn't seem like it would crop up that much, but the the song uh, Starships by Nicki Minaj has just that little part where she's like, let's go to the beach, 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 and let's like, go get away. They <laughs> say what they're going to say. And it's like, yeah. I cannot say the, it's like, sometimes you just need to say the phrase, let's go to the beach. And <laughs> no, I like, don't. I can't say that normally. <laughs> That's perfect. I love it. Uh, let's see. L2 Larson writes in and says, Hey, what's up nerds? I don't know. Just recording a podcast L2. Um, I've recently been reading the Witcher books and I've really loved them. Got me curious as to why we don't get more book adaptations in video games. Do y'all have a book or series you'd like to see adapted into games? 
uh yeah it's called the Animorphs, and uh, oh, the, no. the greatest oh, ragtag right known to man. And I really <laughs> feel like they could do a lot of damage in an open world environment. Make an open world RPG that's Animorphs themed. There was an Animorphs know. game, but there's, I think it was bad. There's two. So there's one for the Game Boy Color, which is a Pokemon clone, which I streamed a while ago, and it is truly horrific. Uh, it is unbelievable. And then there's another one called Animorphs Shattered reality for the playstation one that's a platformer which is like the last thing that you want i think from animorphs you want there's also the druid class in diablo that's right that's a great point um leo would you pick your uh, precious jim the dragon boy or whatever the hell book series you were talking about <laughs> recently with me i thought about that pen dragon yeah would not make for a good game i don't Wait, think i love pen dragon <laughs> for real <laughs> yeah we, i can't believe that i haven't heard you mention this before that's amazing. I own like all of the books, that. which are at my parents' house. Like, in have a you chest. read them? Oh yeah. No, I like I, the whole series. I didn't finish the last three until recently. I reread the whole thing. Let's do a spoiled on that. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Honestly, with uh, whatever with you want. Saint Dane. Yes. Now the thing, Sarah. Do you know Pendragon? No. Here's the most disappointing no, thing you could ever learn about it. It's a children's series of books. I'm sorry, or for all ages, really. <laughs> but does not involve dragons in any way. It's just this dweeb's last name is Pendragon. It's, but it's not about dragons? No! <laughs> like, at all? No, it's misleading nope. as hell! When Harry I was Potter a kid, doesn't I make would, any pots! <laughs> yeah, I would just think about, about how cool it would be if I could change my name to Pendragon. Like, I was like, I think I would do it. I would, I would be <laughs> Jacob Pendragon. How, how old were you when you decided that? <laughs> oh, like, uh, 19. No, I don't know, like, 12. They totally. should um they should let kids get tattoos because think of how many stupid tattoos would <laughs> be around. How do we move from like kids getting to change their names to kids should get tattoos? Because I just like the idea of like being saddled with just your worst impulse as a kid. Like, can you imagine if you got to pick your tattoo and you're like eight? It's like, well, now I'm stuck with this box of crayons on my back or whatever the hell. Mine would be with Sailor Moon, guy. and it would still be cool. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're but right. It would like stretch out horribly as you grew. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just um, the, oh yeah. For for books, has anybody been reading the Scholomance series? It's coming out still. The third book comes out this year. First book's called A Deadly Education. It's about wizard school, but basically it's uh, hyper-violent. Like, it's really dangerous Ooh, to go to this wizard school. Okay. It is really, it really retroactively makes Harry Potter less interesting to me because it's like, Wow, this is a really thought, well thought out magic world as far as like mana and evil mana balancing each other out. I could go on for a long time about the, just trying to lay out the story. But in short, you'd be going to a school where you're getting attacked a lot by these evil monsters and killing them in like different ways every time. Like so many different unique spells yeah. in those books. I think it'd be interesting to try and make a game out of it. Uh, Scalamance? The Scholomance trilogy. The first book's called A Deadly Education. I don't know if it's trilogy for sure, actually. Hmm. Do you think we would have enjoyed school more if bullies were just like dragons and goblins and stuff? Is that what these books are telling us? Yeah, because then you could fight them and it's not morally uh, questionable. Oh, I see. That does work. That checks out. Uh, Chris Logan writes in and says, Hey, Ben and the Horts, uh, congratulations on your new teleportation machine. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, obviously, we're installing one pod in your home, but where would you like the other pod installed? You can teleport between the two pods as much as you want, but they can never be moved once they're installed. Can other people use them? Can I monetize it? I he, Look, there's no fine print here. I think it's game on. Yeah. Yeah, monetize away. What would you do? 
I'd probably have to move back to Los Angeles because I don't think, you know, I think that's a pe- I'd put a pod in Los Angeles and then I'd put a pod in Tokyo mm. and I would like make people pay me to that's go to smart. Tokyo and it would be a lot of money. Do you think that'd be more profitable yeah. than pod in uh, New York City going to Disneyland? Yes, I do think it would be more profitable. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Because that like shipping companies and stuff would want to use it. They'd like go in the pod and bring, I don't know, raw metals with them. <laughs> Whatever those people would do. I don't know. Well, well, I was thinking if it's limited to being at our house, you know, you still could do the Tokyo thing and that'd be a good idea. But I initially thought just put it somewhere where it's kind of unclear what it is or where it goes, but it's in like a wealthier district of New York or whatever. And then people come in it and they come out on your side and they fall in a pit and then you charge them to get out <laughs> and go back to where they came from. Interesting. So you trap like rich New Yorkers somewhere in Minnesota and hmm. then you charge them to get back to New York. Right. Yeah. So, like okay. I yeah. Mean, so I assume that big... like, yeah, when, when anyone who kind of works on Wall Street falls in a pit, just like Sonic, just like cash shoots out of them when they yes. get injured. So it's like, yeah. then you just pick all that up. Yep, yep. I think that's what you do. Yeah, dig a big hole in Minnesota and then go for Wall Street. Just do the worst people on Wall Street enter Wall Street every day? <laughs> Let's assume they walk in with a big briefcase full of cash. And that's the way that works. Uh, Dennis the Door Slammer. Thank you for being here, Dennis. Uh, they say, hey, missed joke opportunity from last week's show. Uh the Skywalker saga is out now on PC as well as the Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, and Dagobah systems. Hey, hey, Dennis. That's what we like to hear. We love those missed jokes. Um, also, Dennis says, P.S. This is a reference to our Elden Ring discussion um, that we had in the studio a while ago with my friends Ronnie and Grant. Uh, he says, uh, P.S. Nobody in my theater laughed at Sonic's return to sender line, uh, Ben, but your hatred of it made me smile. Thank you. Nobody I'm laughing. Yeah, I, this is the thing. I was I was lamenting with the fact that that was like front and center in the first trailer, and it's just like the biggest zero of a joke I've ever heard in my life is Sonic saying "return to sender" and throwing a missile. And my argument was no one's going to react in any way in a theater. So thank you, Dennis, for confirming that. I'm sure it's a funny movie and a good movie, but that that joke was cricket. That makes me feel good. I relate to that as a as a somebody who tries to write jokes, uh, you know, with a lot of like clearly punched up reshoot types of like added on little flavor to a scene it's like a lot of those jokes you have to realize just aren't gonna make a single person laugh but <laughs> right. we have to have a joke here leo i'm totally with you i went back because uh, we're doing the deepest dive in chrono cross now and somebody shared i made like a six minute video recap of the entire story of chrono trigger back in 2020 i went back and watched that and i was horrified by myself i really I truly hated myself watching that because it's just filled with jokes that are in that exact camp of like, yeah, I know you thought this was technically a joke writing it, but who would ever laugh at this? Who would ever be amused by this two out of 10 barely clever thing that feels like a joke, but no one's smiling. It's not brightening anybody's day. You know, like I remember hearing a stand-up comedian one time uh, talking about getting advice from an older stand-up comedian and their advice after seeing their set was like, uh, my question is, where would you laugh during your set? <laughs> it's like, it's very true. That's very true. If there's not a good answer for that, maybe something's wrong here. Yeah. Uh, man. Okay. What, what do we got here? What is this name? Uh, Mandy Aknamara. This isn't a clever thing. I think this is just somebody named Mandy Aknamara. Right. And they say, uh, you wake up in the world of Elden Ring. 
Did you hear about this? How do you spend your time? Do you care that you're maidenless? Do you lounge all day making meals out of giant crabs? Do you try to complete missions or you just start squatting at the artist shack and make a nice life for yourself? Personally, I'm staying away from the creepy hand monsters and make it my life's goal to figure out why NPCs hold such a grudge. Get over it already. I hit you once. Great questions, Mandy. A lot of very important questions here. We're in the world so, of Elden Ring. Yeah, so if we're in the world of Elden Ring, like, you can't die because being reborn is, like, canonical. Mm. You know, it's like, there's not, there's not, like, a game over. Like, it's in the game's lore that if you die, you come back to a site of grace. So, like, usually with game stuff, I'm like, well, I would just stay at the in the very beginning of the first level because i don't mm-hmm. want to die but here right. you've got a little more leniency um but it would still hurt just because you come back after dying well you'd have to you'd have to it. die yeah fast um <laughs> you know those like random know. dilapidated shacks you stumble upon in elden ring yeah and you go in and there's like a dead body right i think that would be me just the body just the body. I don't think I would survive five minutes in Elden Ring. So is your theory that those NPCs just went to go to try and survive in the world, but like, I'll just stay in this shack, and then eventually they yeah. just died? and they just died, because there's <laughs> monsters literally everywhere. Or just That a, would be me. Realistically, yeah. you'd probably pull like an amulet off my body. It's not even going to be a good one. Um, <laughs> that would I'd be, be like, oh, can't use this. Need, yeah, it's probably like know, the cat amulet. More faith. You'd literally find me in a ravine with the jumping amulet that doesn't actually... <laughs> you know negate that much fall damage right right yeah i was thinking of like if you can make it to the capital i feel like there's a nice abandoned building that you could probably claim um that doesn't have you know it might be tough but you can get around like those snowmen blowing trumpets they won't I would be join them <laughs> if they're hiring i would join them i would gladly be one with the dude dude horn men um or just you know go to the round table hold like they got a fire they're like you i don't can, know man down there way too much i don't want to hang out around people with weapons yeah i i don't think that's what just because there's books there to read or something but like have you seen some of those rooms fighting each other it's peaceful yeah i I got attacked there once and i didn't appreciate it interesting yeah it's peaceful but there's also a room with a giant two finger monster thing like i wouldn't want to be in the same building as that monstrosity it's gonna come attack you man i would spend the first like two days just covering the floor in messages around the whole starting area. All the memeiest, find the funniest stuff to write that's going to get the most upvotes. Yeah. Or just do what Kyle does and just copy what the, like another popular message. Right. Just put it down next to it. Yeah, Kyle oh, told then me you would get, you'd be healed constantly, right? Exactly. Is that the theory? Oh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. and you do have to assume, I've always felt like in Elden Ring or Dark Souls or anything, when you're like drinking that flask, it's got to taste real good. <laughs> you know, I think I think it's like, you know, it's like mango nectar or something. No. Like I, I feel like it's a I real good it, I feeling. I hope it tastes like Sunny D. It, nice. But no, uh, knowing the world. Done, yeah, so there's no way that it done. tastes good. I'm guessing it tastes just like sand that somebody pissed in. That feels about like right. So, like soylent, tastes like soylent. Yes, exactly. Uh Muffin Crumbs writes in and says, Hey, can someone explain to me why Dream still hasn't come to PC? Um Muffin we can't, and we wish that we I could explain, explain that, that to you. But I understand. I mean, there's all those stories about with God of War when the PlayStation ported that to PC. They're like, oh, it took 
I mean, they gave some absurd amount of like took five years of effort or something. I guess it doesn't check out, but um, it was like years and years in development to get that thing up and running. And I know that's a, eh, I want to say more complex game, but like dreams, it seems so finicky and there's so much custom work that I have to do, especially with mouse support that I, I have utmost confidence that it's happening. But at the same time, I think it's probably gonna take a lot longer than we think. I just, I think there's more legal questions than mm. like like i think sony just doesn't want to put something out that people could like use to monetize their own content basically you know it's like on pc dreams is unleashed in the way that we all want but like yeah. i think i think it kind of becomes uncontrollable in a way that if you're a video game publisher is kind of scary i mean i don't think so i think you know for game reformer i visited that studio for a couple days and definitely media molecule wants it on pc like developers are like clearly this is the right place for it um and there also there's a lot of talk about like this could be a real kind of golden ticket for the studio because if you release it and then you just get a cut of every game that's made with it as if it's like the Unreal Engine, right? If they get 30%, they get 20%, whatever that is. And people can release standalone games on Steam that are made within Dreams. I feel like Sony would be much more excited about that idea. And obviously there's legal complications and stuff that comes with it. Um, but if they're getting a cut of every standalone game that could be split out and released on it, I feel like that would be worth their while because you never know what type of cool stuff could be popular and big on Steam that's blowing up from Dreams. So, who knows? It's been so long already. I mean, yeah, 2020 is when it came out officially, so a couple years seems doable. I, I bet we'll hear about it within a year. I, I don't know anything, but... I hope so. Yeah. Uh... Let's see. Oh, Michael Barry writes in and says, hey, after listening for a while, this is just one of those like nice messages. Sarah, can we read this? Yeah, yeah. You have permission. Thank you. Um, After listening for a while, I decided to pay my share by finally uh, supporting y'all on Patreon after your magnificent crew expanded. All great additions. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I watched your Jackbox shenanigans and loved watching Jacob sabotaging Ben in Push the Button. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, ben, you did not do yourself any favors by acting so guilty. Anyways, I want to suggest Super Hot VR for one of the greatest games ever. Yep, I think that's a oh, great yeah. choice. Um, P.S. Sarah, will you allow a compliment? Is it for me personally? It is for you personally. Absolutely. Okay, great. P.S. Ben, you are a funny guy. And, 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 Sarah, you are a ray of sunshine. Not. I don't know about that, but I'll take it. <laughs> Has anybody ever called you that in your life? Not for a very, very long time. Okay. Yeah, we all, we all had days in the sun, but it's been a long time. Uh, Kenneth Evans writes in and says, hey, everybody, you have to choose. Will these studios make this game or a new IP? So you have to choose what you want to see. Do we want to see Hades 2 or Supergiant make a new IP? New IP. New IP. 100%. Yeah. They keep doing a good job when they do new IP. <laughs> yeah, don't derail that. Um, and Hades is still there. I don't know if I want more from that formula. That's about everything I want. Um, do you want Returnal 2, Jacob Geller, or do you want a new IP from Mark? Still new IP. I okay. Think. All right. Like I, I think that House Mark's gameplay is like, it's like I, I don't think they're gonna mess that up. And so it's like, yeah, just give me a different, different story. Yeah. Leo, do you want Naughty Dog to make The Last of Us Part Three or a new IP? New IP for sure. I feel like it's always gonna be new. IP. I think. Okay. But what about this, Sarah? Elden okay, Ring Two. Tough one. Elden Ring Two or a new IP? 
New IP. Yeah, correct. That's how we got Elden Ring. That's right. Sorry, <laughs> Kenneth. I, like, don't, I, like, it's always going to be new IP. And we're always going to get insert game title two instead. Yep, yep. Uh, yep. Austin Nicholson writes and says, hey, cohorts, uh, last week on Kind of Funny Games Daily. Okay, I hope everyone's sitting down. If you're listening to this, and I know you are, seriously, sit down. Sit down right now. But last week on Kind of Funny Games Daily, Blessing talked about how he prefers making his waffles in the microwave instead of putting them in the toaster. <laughs> Wait, is this like frozen waffles, like Eggo waffles? I think it must be. I, t- I take issue with the word make. But <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any food that you make slash prepare beyond the normal slash correct way? Asked Austin. All right, my fiance thinks I'm insane for this, but I don't know how else to do it. So I make oatmeal every morning because I'm a big, cool, strong guy. And um, But the thing is, you, you make it in the microwave, and I put it in the microwave for four minutes... But then by the time it comes out, it's 1,000 degrees. And so then I take the hot microwave or the hot, you know, microwaved oatmeal and I put it in the freezer and I let it sit in the freezer for a while until like the outside is cool, but then the inside is still perfectly the right warm temperature. And it makes it so much more dynamic and interesting unless I forget about it too long. And then it's just a big frozen block of oatmeal that I just lick on throughout the day. That is so weird. You don't just heat it up less? No, because it, like, it have to be four minutes? I think so, because then it's not as cooked. If I just do like two or three minutes, then it's not doesn't feel like it's I doing mean, the thing. What what I do if I'm if I'm microwaving oatmeal is like then you just put you put milk, like cold milk mm. into it after it's microwaved, and then you mix it in and that kind of regulates the temperature. Yeah, I don't have cold milk. I used to do like an ice cube and I'd mix that around, but eh. Um, it's weird. I like <laughs> I like instant ramen, uh, like dry, not not as in yes. uncooked, but like I, I, you know, sometimes you can do like the ramen broth, but for instant ramen, sometimes I just kind of do it like spaghetti, where where I like drain the water out of it. Oh, I thought you were gonna go the other way. I will absolutely just cromp down on some raw ramen, just rip it huh, out of that okay. package well, and I just was, treat it like I a I was snack. trying to be weird, but you're so much weirder on every one. Does no I one know. Else I like the weirdest thing is that I don't person. like to toast my Pop-Tarts. I just like them out of the package. Like, that's yeah. all I have. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're too normal. My Apparently. partner, Marie, uh, puts milk in the bowl and then cereal. Nope. So that's too risky. <laughs> nope. She can keep adding cereal and it keeps being fresher. You know, finish the cereal. There's still milk left. Oh. I love cereal. I, which is which crazy there, to me at first, but yeah, I, I see the appeal, but I still not enough for me to do it. You know. Yeah, it's okay, smarter. But, sometimes yeah. I have a slice of toast, peanut butter, egg on top of that. Well, that's just weird. That's just weird. weird. Uh, do you think like if every cereal commercial they showed at the end of it throughout our youth, they showed pouring cereal that way instead of the other way? Do you think we'd all just you know, unconsciously do it. Milk first. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Those cereal commercials convinced us that that's a real breakfast. Like they could tell us anything. Kaukis in the morning. Uh, Gabriel Cleveland writes in and says, Hey there, Benny Hanas. Hello. I'm super excited for PAX East next week in no small part, because I'm going to be a gym leader for the PAX Pokemon league ARG. I didn't know this existed. This sounds great. Has anybody else ever heard of this? Oh, uh, I look forward to taking all challengers and handing out badges to the worthy. My question is simple. If you were a gym leader in the Pokemon world, what would your type and or theme be? And then Gabriel says, if you like and pick this question, you don't have to read this part, but for reference, of course, we're going to read it, Gabriel. I'm a hatter 
who fled into the forest after being driven mad by mercury poisoning and was saved by the Pokemon inhabitants of the wood woods. And as such, my team is fairy poison slash any Pokemon with hats. <laughs> that is a very good theme. <laughs> I like to, if you just focus on this is just the hat gym. Any Pokemon I'm trying that has to think a hat. Of all the Pokemon with hats. I'm, I'm like, really trying to think too. There's like, the one that's just hats. You know, d- she just has a hat. She's like the new Gardevoir, but she has a hat from Sword oh, and Shield. Oh, yeah. Does the, um, does the British Weezing have the hat? Yeah, yeah. I would count that as a hat. Okay. Let me There's see. that, like, little clown thing. Is it related to Mr. Like, Mime Jr.? Does, the, does, does Mime Jr. have a hat? I don't know. Or Mr. Mr. Rhyme, does he have a hat? It's really just a lot of the British variations, I feel like, are going to be monsters. <laughs> uh, Mr. Rhyme, Mr. Rhyme is... You know what? I regret even Googling that. I don't like looking in his eyes, but it's unclear if that's a hat. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like um, I like psychic and I like plant and I like ghost. So I, I'd probably go ghosty, ghosty plant. Haunted plants. Haunted plants. Yeah, would be the theme, I think. What about you, Sarah? I once tried to put together a team of Pokemon, like the smallest Pokemon. Ooh, that's good. So it was like, like literally like tiny, tiny. So it was like cottony. Um, cast form. I don't remember what the other ones were, but they were all like incredibly small. Yeah. And I think that would be my team. I love it. That's really good. So like people go in there to battle you that they can't even barely see. They'd be like, what is that? And I'd be like, you'll never see it coming because it's too small. (laughs) And Uh, then I can say things like, we may be small, but we pack a big punch. Bobakin writes in and says, my memory. I want to say real quick, I would do all the humanoid Pokemon like Mr. Mime. And our thing would be, we'd be sitting around in a circle ripping a binger like that 70s show. Hell Yeah. Bo Bakken writes in and says, My memory may be fuzzy, but weren't we all essentially playing Wordle years ago in Fallout 3 during those vault terminal hacking puzzles? Yeah. Also, the greatest unspoken game of all time is Dark Cloud. Okay. Thank you, Bo. That's probably correct. Um, was it Wordle <laughs> to do the vault hacking? I don't remember how this looked in Fallout you 3. I remember from words. You weren't typing. I remember the Fallout 3 hacking game in that, like, I literally never understood how to do it like i beat the entire game and i never i would just like pick four things at random and then be like you didn't pass the hacking mini game and that would be it <laughs> i totally get it i get that feeling for sure it it was wordly though it was like yeah you pick one and it says two of those letters were right but you don't know which where whether they're in the right spot i think god i know but this is more specific than that i know but i think probably it was only like difficulty gated certain terminals you could use and then how long the word would be mm, okay letters i mean now that they're under the microsoft umbrella you think microsoft would have jumped on that in some way trying cash in and like hey here's a new mobile fallout game that's wordle inspired you could you could do something cool with that aesthetic you know you could but people dump on that hacking mini game you oh know? okay i want to get made fun of even though i liked it yeah don't make fun of microsoft everybody they're doing their best. <laughs> um, I forget who it was. There was some GDC presentation where somebody talking about like pitching your prototypes, and he was showing a bunch of early prototypes that he made, and he showed this prototype from like 2012 that he never did anything with, and it was Wordle. It was just like fully Wordle, and he made it. And I was like, hey, whatever, and then just kind of moved on. Like, sad times. Um, <laughs> Garrett uh, Wainstock writes in and says, "Hey, what is the best thing you've jumped off of in games?" It's a great question. Uh, a tall neck and horizon. Neck. Yeah, 
I was thinking even like the the last Colossus. He's he's a big one. I don't know about jumping. Well, you don't you don't jump off. Yeah, you don't you don't jump off. Um, Sarah, uh, it's probably a sky whale. Probably some form of a sky whale. Okay. Any game in particular? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Skyward Sword is a sky whale. Did it? Yeah. Did it not? Didn't you go to that one section in the sky and there's just like a... F- this is why I don't... No, 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 this is a giant fucking whale in the sky. Huh, yeah. Oh, Levius. Also known as the Great Spirit Levius. Oh, yeah. I remember it by the Great Spirit Levius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry they don't <laughs> know right. what a sky whale. <laughs> no. It's a more common nickname. <laughs> I don't remember that thing at all. That's sad. Uh, yeah. A uh, helicopter in Saints Row the Third. To that Kanye West song? Right? Oh, jump on that's right. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's, that's fun. Um, Adrian Creates says, Hey, in the past year, I've transitioned to PC as my preferred platform for gaming. One thing that I love about gaming through Steam is the wishlist sale notifications. It makes me wonder, why doesn't PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo have this on their consoles? Kind of feels like they want to offer discounts, but don't actually want people to save money? Do you think this would help <laughs> or hurt overall revenue? I think it would help, right? If there's one thing I've learned from Steam wishlist sale notifications, it's that I didn't actually want that game at all. <laughs> right, right. And now I know, oh, I'll just remove it from the wishlist and I'm not even going to get it when it's on sale. <laughs> uh, I mean, Leafy on watching us live at the Backstage Past here, they say, hey, PlayStation does have this. I got a bunch of notifications today. I'll be damned. Wait, I mean, Leafy on says Nintendo emails those notifications as well. Well, maybe they do have them. I, I don't know. I feel like the bigger thing is I wish consoles i wish like the store was as easily searchable as steam is so, like especially the mm. nintendo eShop. it's like even if i wanted to find a game and i knew it by name if it's not on the front page it's gonna take at least five minutes also for me I, to find it i don't know w- what to do about it who to complain to about it but just that eShop ui is mm-hmm. so slow i mean really uh, almost every console store page the UI is just unbearably slow, but especially the eShop these days. And just think back to like the first time we saw that UI in a video or something, or even like the PlayStation 4 UI and everything's so snappy and beautiful. And then just years into the console's life, it just barely is scraping by. I mean, it took me probably fully 15 minutes to find the Stranger of Paradise demo on PS5. Oh, like really? just trying to figure out like how to... And it's like you would search like... Final Fantasy and Stranger of Paradise wouldn't pop up at all. And then the Stranger of Paradise store page doesn't have a link to the demo. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. it's so poorly organized. Yeah. I mean, it's like Steam is Steam is weird because like I feel like it's kind of it, it's incredibly like old and looks clunky and a lot of the UI elements don't match each other. But like it works in a way that seemingly none of the other storefronts do yeah it's true mouse yeah. and keyboard helps um dylan kuzel writes and says hello min maxers uh, i've been thinking about brand loyalty and how our opinions of games that feature our favorite characters may be skewed because we're already familiar with those characters and their worlds hypothetically if miyamoto made a new game with a brand new ip but never revealed that he had anything to do with it do you think the game would receive as much praise as his others interesting Not as much. yes Wait, you think so, I, Jacob Geller? Yeah, I think that most people don't care about game developers. Yeah, I think that's right. It's like, I just, I think that most people have no idea who works on most games. But Miyamoto, I, I don't know, I think he's an interesting case for this. I mean, because he was, 
was he the official director of Wii Music? He was such a big part of Wii Music. And it's not like every game that Miyamoto touches, everybody loves. Like, there's plenty of examples of him championing a game that's like, eh, maybe not so much. But I'm trying to think of, like, you know, Kojima. If they pulled the kind of uh, J.K. Rowling move of releasing a game without their name on it. Like, what was J.K. Rowling's book? The Big Apartment or something? Um, oh, the thing where J.K. Rowling uh, weirdly pretended to be a man? Oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, that? <laughs> yeah, what is <laughs> But there's that whole saga. And like, it, the weird thing is, like, that book, I think, was, like, well-reviewed. It was like, kind of a cool test. So, like, oh, okay. I think, if I remember that right, we actually all knew that it was her book before it came out. I don't, like, the pseudonym got blown. God, I don't... I don't know. I don't know my history that well. But I will say, Miyamoto worked as a producer on Hamtaro Ham Ham Heartbreak. Uh, and I uh. cannot convince anyone to play Hamtaro Ham Ham Heartbreak, even when I tell them that Miyamoto worked as a producer on it, and it's really yeah. good. Right. But Sarah, do you remember the meeting we had on Monday where I said yeah, that I really wanted to Yeah, I tried it on Monday and it didn't work. <laughs> no, I want to stream that game. I want to stream the Hamtaro no, you games. You don't want to stream Ham Ham Heartbreak. He didn't work on all the Hamtaro games. Oh, I want to play the Alpha Dream games. Maybe if I really yeah. enjoy it and I understand Hamtaro in a new way, then I can go back to Ham Ham Heartbreak just for the name alone. Um, I feel like what's always the kind of lesson when Jacob, like, famous please, authors... we're talking about Hamtaro here, dude. I'm sorry. And we're done now. Okay, go Finish on. Your <laughs> That's it. Um, whenever, whenever authors do like pen names or whatever, it's always like, well, actually, the author doesn't matter. It's having access to major publishing like resources mm, that matters. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if if from published a game that Miyazaki didn't work on or whatever, but like it still had all the from stuff dark souls 2 in some ways right yeah which i mean it's like people people have conflicted feelings about but it's like that game did very well and sold a million billion copies like it's you know it's people's least favorite dark souls game but like it still sold on the dark souls name a huge amount yeah i think an interesting test of this was the reveal of pt because remember it was in that sony live stream where it's like hey here's some horror game we're showing you clips walking down a hallway and it was the most forgettable thing it just felt like the most average state of play fine presentation moving on to the next game you know and obviously there's a lot of great details in pt that they couldn't convey through that trailer but i, I think of that and then when it realized when people realized oh my god this is silent hills this is kojima's next game with del toro then suddenly it's like, oh suddenly it's brilliant but like at first glance anyway there seemed to be nothing remarkable about pt from that live stream uh, Matthew Sheldon. Okay, here we go, everybody. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Sarah. I'm sorry to tell you and break it to you this way, but Gaming Confessions didn't win for New Show Plus this week. It was... Shocked. Absolutely shocked. I am shocked, too. I really thought it was going to go the distance. I was surprised. Uh, but well, I'm pe- glad uh, Joe got his fireworks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you on behalf of Joe. But people still are submitting a bunch of gaming confessions here for the podcast, so it lives on in some weird way. Uh, Matthew Sheldon writes in and says, A friend and I would steal items in Asheron's Call, the old MMO, because trade requests did not exist. We stole items from dozens of people by ambushing them after they dropped their half of the trade on the ground and then run away. And they did love this for that. years, apparently. You love it. Is it. Do they need to be absolved of their gaming sins, or is this just cool gamer stuff? No, that that enriches the world for everyone mm. that you can actually get robbed, robbed like that. It's so realistic. 
<laughs> yeah. That's I know that whenever I pay of you. for my coffee, I just drop the cash on the ground and the barista has to die for it. Yeah. Or for somebody else gets it. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Nate Dog writes and says, Hey, everybody, I'm not sure if we're still doing gaming sins. Sure. Uh, but I need absolution. Uh, I purposely reset my Xbox seconds away from the end of a Halo 2 split screen deathmatch with my then girlfriend. She was winning at the time, and it was the only time she ever beat me. And according to the game, my undefeated record endured. Well, at the time, I thought my actions were cheeky and funny. She did not. And she would bring up the incident several times in subsequent months. By the way, the secret greatest game of all time is Simant. Uh, that is correct. We ran the numbers. It, it actually is Simant. It's always been Simant. Um, yeah, this this one seems bad. <laughs> yeah, hardcore sin. I don't know about hardcore sin, but in poor taste for the one time that she was beating you. Um, well, I hope that relationship went well. Uh, Slycut writes in and says, uh, you're once again called upon to cast judgment. When I was around 9 or 10, all right, this one has layers. It's complex. When I was around 9 or 10, I was way into Punch-Out on NES. It was my mission to beat the game, and all I wanted to, it was all I wanted to play. However, my brother, who was around 4 or 5, wanted to play games with me. Punch-Out is single-player. What was I to do? So I plugged in the second controller, handed it to him, told him he was controlling Little Mac, and I was the other guys. Of course, I was Little Mac, beating every boxer and hamming it up at how badly he was beating me. He was having the time of his life beating his big brother. We did this many times. But at the time, I couldn't beat Mr. Sandman, and my brother always said that he didn't like it when I was that guy because I always won. This came up in conversation close to 10 years later. I could see the embarrassment and hurt in his eyes when he realized the truth, since he apparently hadn't figured it out as I had assumed. I think I destroyed a special memory for him. I apologize, but still feel a little bad today, despite this revelation taking place around 15 years ago. I await your judgment. I mean, this seems, this is like, I think an incredibly nice move on the part of the confessor that like yeah. comes back to be embarrassing in an understanding way. But like, I, you know, I that's that's like the nicest thing you could do for mm-hmm. playing games with your brother. It's like not mm-hmm. only do, like I was thinking it would just be like, oh, uh, I don't know. You're controlling the other guy. But like he made him feel like he was winning. Like right. that's so nice. But then, well. Uh-huh. Until they got to Sandman, and then he would just I mean, beat the crap out of him every well, time what are you supposed with to no do? mercy. Mr. Sandman is hard. Yeah, I guess so. I, I think that's overall fine. I think you're doing yeah, fine, Slyka. I think Slyka. the memory was positive. Yeah. And I don't think it's embarrassing as, like, a four-year-old to be, like, all... Yeah, like, it's like, when are you supposed to tell them? So, yeah, you're fine, Slyka. You're fine. Yeah. 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 Uh, purely absolved. My friend gave his four-year-old brother the controller for super smash bros and it wasn't plugged in i think i think that's also fine i think it's messed up i still feel guilty <laughs> for being an accomplice what we let him play we'll kick his ass right four years old it's a power move you know well what are you supposed to in do in this case what are you supposed to do let him play well i guess there's that let the I four-year-old mean, play it, it is true like the game does have the handicap option in there and it is it is very handy um, all right, what do y'all like for a question of the week? Uh, Pokemon gym. Pokemon gyms. I didn't. Ha- I didn't have an answer to that because I don't know anything about Pokemon, but I enjoyed hearing everyone else's. I like the world of Elden Ring. I like the song that pops in your head. I like the Disney worlds. I like the food, the funky food prep. I like the Elden Ring one. Yeah, and also the Pokemon one. I like Pokemon. I like learning about that Pax Larping thing. Leo, which way are you leaning? 
Pokemon one. Wow. All right, there we go. Uh, hats off to, of course, Gabriel Cleveland. Uh, you won the big prize from IM8-Bit. They'll ship out uh, your copy of Manifold Garden on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. For Get a Load of This. You got one, Sarah? Get a Load of This. Um, Final Fantasy XIV has added new PvP that is essentially a payload mode. It is a really? 5v5, 5v5, where your goal is to move, of course, like a crystal. It's a crystal. This is Final Fantasy. Crystals are back. Your goal is to move a crystal into your opponent's goal. And there's also ranks. So it's like bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, crystal. So I can be just as toxic as I was in League of Legends, but now in my Final Fantasy 14. That's beautiful. Did you yeah. see um, IGN had an article? Um, and it was all about Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy, talking about how much he loves 14. Did you see this? I did not see that. It was really heartwarming. We're just talking about him and he's just playing it like every morning. Um, and he just is delighted by seeing all these references to stuff that he worked on, you know, 30 Aww. years ago. But it's like, oh, look, it's the twins from Final Fantasy 4. Like all that fan service. Imagine how bizarre that would be if it was for something that you created, mm -hmm. but then haven't really worked on for decades at this point like mm -hmm. it's, what a weird nostalgia trip for him uh so it turns out 14 is a good game sarah yeah and the 6.1 patch went live it fixed a lot of stuff in a realm or board so now is probably the easiest time to get into final fantasy 14 all if right. you'd like there it is um hey get a load of this uh, i assume you all saw the hot story about how gearbox's randy pitchford has purchased the magic castle in la the famous magic venue um what the hell man i saw it <laughs> I, what well, the hell? He's using that Embracer Group money for a good cause, I guess, preserving magic history. But uh, reading more about this and digging into it a little bit, I didn't realize, and I consider myself a connoisseur of Randy Pitchford, I didn't realize that his great uncle was a famous magician called the Great Cardini. And he was a magician. He came from Europe. We're talking olden days. And there's actually a clip of him of the one time he was on TV in 1957. So on YouTube, you can watch... Randy Pitchford's great uncle, the great Cardini, performing some truly stellar magic tricks, just waving big rounds of cards everywhere. It's it's fantastic. It's truly fantastic. That's why he's called Cardini. Oh, I get it now. Uh, Leo, what do you got, man? Hey, get a load of this great video essay. It's from Verily Bitchy. It's called How Bisexuality Changed Video Games. Huh. It's... It's an all-timer video essay for me, really well-researched with some really interesting insights onto, like, patterns I never noticed in romance options in games. It kind of starts with, like, the really fascinating origin of why there were gay relationships in The Sims 1, it originating as almost like a bug or something that got put in by accident, but then huh. was received well enough for them to include it when it was, like, really controversial at the time. Totally. Even internally. And going up to, like modern day RPGs where it seems like, yeah, you can be, uh, you know, gay or bisexual, but really there's like single digit exceptions to this, but really it's like, there's always canon heterosexual things that happen. And then you can do optional stuff that make you bisexual on top of that, but like can really avoid the heterosexual stuff. Huh? Just really interesting. Well thought out video. Some video essays are just long and some video essays are long and good. <laughs> This is the letter. <laughs> there we go. There's links below for all this fun stuff. Um, the community has one thanks to Hiyoru. Submitted this over in Discord, but there's a fanbite article 
and the article is how one Advance Wars fan accidentally played the remake early. And it's a convoluted story, but, you know, Nintendo uh, pulled the launch of the Advance Wars remake because of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But somehow through a series of like the code being given out, like there's one person named Rachel on Twitter who's like, somehow is able to use a code for Advance Wars, the reboot, and I've just been playing it. So she's been like documenting her time playing and people are really doubting it. But it's like, no, somehow this just slipped through the servers and she's managed she's managed to activate this code just being a fan. So that's a fun story from Fanbase. So that link's below. Check it out. Uh, Jacob, do you share yours? I, I, I didn't yet. I, I have two, but I'll be very quick. Because... Oh, uh, Get a load of this. Sharing movies for Get a load of this is boring, but there is a Bollywood movie in theaters right now called RRR. It's just triple R. Uh, that is the single most entertaining movie I have seen in a theater in a decade. I am seeing it tonight for the third time, oh uh, which I haven't God. done with a movie in the theaters in years. Uh, it's three hours long and it is worth every second of it. This I, is like, bold. I cannot impress. A, like the first time I saw it, I dragged a friend to it. We have both seen it subsequently and dragged more friends. And then those same friends are like, I need to show more people this. Do you want to go again? It, it's unbelievable. That seems great. And just to be clear, it's not about the Red Ribbon Army from Dragon Ball. This is RRR no, or something not. else. Entirely. Um, it is playing in Minnesota as well. See, I've seen like just clips of big Bollywood movies and I always think it looks really fun and entertaining, but it's I like I am begging you to see this. <laughs> All right. It is, it is so good. Is it, um, would my fiance who likes musicals and, uh, and all that stuff, would she like it? Or is it like there, silly there's action? There's one there. Well, there are two, like there's an amazing musical number in the middle of it. It's probably mostly an action movie, but okay. it's like a pretty silly action movie. And so I still think like my, my roommate who is like, you know, wouldn't wouldn't go to like john wick or whatever certainly yeah. enjoyed this all right i i, um, I took a long time intrigued. with that one so that's good i love it um i mean lee fans asking you in the live backstage pass chat if you've seen everything everywhere all at once which i also hear amazing things about. oh yeah also great and okay. like and that i think will get the mainstream recognition it deserves for what i don't know why this bollywood movie like has a wide release in theaters currently i feel like that's not a typical thing yeah but like i'm i am so glad that it does i love it all right uh, cool. Do you have another one? Oh, sure. Um, there's, <laughs> I mean, I, I spent a long time talking about that, so I don't need to do the other one. But now I need to hear it. Yeah, we need to hear we'll it. See, it's implanted. Oh, okay. Um, there's, okay, so there's the hardest boss in Elden Ring. It's this, this lady named Millennia. Uh, everyone kind of complains about her. Recently on the Elden Ring subreddit, there has been this phenomenon where multiple people are talking about a summon called Let Me Solo Her. Like, that's the name of his character is Let Me Solo Her. And it's a <laughs> naked guy with a pot on his head and two katanas. And you summon him in and then just stand in the corner and he just fights her on his own and, and like finishes the fight. And so now people are like drawing fan art of Let Me Solo Her. That's the hero awesome. we need so but good. don't deserve. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, well, hey. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening and sharing MinMax all around. We appreciate it. Um, Patreon-exclusive podcast, Party Chat. This week, we talked about Moon Knight. We talked about Kingdom Hearts 4. A bunch of other stuff. Thanks for unlocking that podcast in your favorite podcast app. Again, you don't have to listen to that in the browser. And if you support us at the $5 tier on Patreon, not only are you getting us that much closer to our goal, which we're... 
we're like this close, like the size of one of Sarah's Pokemon. Like that's how little of a distance we have to go before we hit our goal on Patreon. Um, but if you're on Patreon, you unlock the party chat. You also unlock the podcast version of the deepest dive on Chrono Cross, which we just kicked off. We're breaking that game up into four different sections. We had a very fun discussion about the opening of the game up through Viper Manor, but you can check that out on our YouTube channel. Any help sharing, it's appreciated. And if you're a big Chrono Cross fan, you could always unlock the podcast version of it again by supporting us on Patreon. So we appreciate it. Um, also, heads up, everybody. Um, Trivia Tower is going to be a little bit later this month than normal. Normally, it's in the middle of every month. Right now, it's looking like we're going to have Trivia Tower on April 28th, and we'll have more details to come. But here's a little hint. It's going to be an all Nintendo round. So if you fancy yourself uh, a Nintendo expert or you just know a thing or two about Nintendo games or you just want to help support us on Patreon at the $2 tier and you feel like you can get lucky with one or two guesses about Nintendo games, jump in, compete in Trivia Tower. It'll be a fun time. I think you'll like the co-hosts and how this whole thing's going to go. Um, awesome. Jacob, anything you want to plug? Just, I mean, visit my YouTube channel, Jacob Geller. Sweet. Will do. We'll do that. Um, Sarah, <laughs> anything's going on with you? I would like to plug the underrated style savvy games. Style savvy <laughs> trendsetters, the best fashion games ever to be made. Okay. Since Sophia, I might be biased because I worked on the most recent one. Interesting. But like, they're really good. Really? Wait, what did you do for the most recent one? We we worked on. I worked on some of the early localization. Really. Yeah, but I'm not credited because then it went back to Nintendo of Europe. Oh, well, that's complicated. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Leo, anything going on with you? New video on YouTube.com slash Leo Vader this Friday. It's about gaming a little bit. So Ooh. gamers want to keep an eye out for there that we one. Go. That's what we like to hear. Uh, I bet it's gaming a little bit. <laughs> We're getting there. Uh, thanks, everybody, for supporting us, for listening to the show, watching the show. We appreciate it. And thanks to everybody who's jumped up to the game champion tier. I'm talking about Fred DeNovo, who officially has declared themselves the champion of Tetris Effect. And they say challengers welcome because they will not be thrown off the top of that mountain uh, also patrick polk thank you for supporting us the 50 dollar tier the game champion tier they chose as the game to champion the official name for the japanese dreamcast release which is super puzzle fighter 2 cross for matching service so great choice patrick fantastic work the official game champion also thanks to brett hunter who is the official game champion of super mario 64 Somebody had to claim it. It's it's the juggernaut. You got to go out there and do it. So thanks, everybody, for jumping up to that tier. We'll have news soon about where that's leading. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.